Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. It is 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis is here. Matthew Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carricker. CD, good morning. How you doing, man? I am doing wonderful, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I, I was really excited last night about the possibility of uh, maybe a three-game sweep for the uh, local basketball teams. That didn't occur. Nah, it didn't go well. No. <laughs> No, not, 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 not great. Not not happy about it. Here's what we have coming up on the show today. Greg Amzinger talking some ball at the bottom of the hour. Uh, and we'll talk about his golf trip, too, because okay. we've got to find out how he did uh, there. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, John Kelly with the Blues in New Jersey tonight will join us at 8.15, 8.45, Blues Center Robert Thomas. And in the 9 o'clock hour, our buddy Polo Asensio. I don't know if he's coming in to provide I, us with some of that I, stellar guacamole. Listen, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, the the... It'll be early, but it, it, it's never too early for for <laughs> no. his walk. It was absolutely amazing. I had a dream about that guacamole <laughs> like a week ago, and I woke up sad because he won't give me the recipe. It was it was pretty good. So Polo will join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. He's going to be honored, by the way, at the Baseball Writers' Dinner on January 15th at the MAC. Tickets still available. You can uh, just go to St. Louis BBWAA for tickets. And Polo will be among those honored, along with Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnato, Ryan Helsley, a host of other Redbirds. Ali Marmol and John Mozeliak will be there. And if you want to be there, just go to my Twitter page. And I uh, retweeted it yesterday. And you can use the link and get tickets to the Baseball Writers' Dinner. Okay, we mentioned... The basketball last night, 20th ranked Missouri, falling to number 13 Arkansas, 74 to 68. Carry at halftime, Mizzou had the lead, and then Arkansas came out in the second half, and they just roared to victory. Well, that's a, it, we, we talked about that 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 p- could potentially be a tough game at Arkansas. They were number ten. They were number ten last week, number mm-hmm. thirteen this week. Um, but Mizzou still has some things that they can build on. I, when you look at them scoring 68 points, that's not their their typical type of game. So you would assume that, that Arkansas slowed it down a little bit and played. Mizzou was unable to play at their pace and had to play at Arkansas's pace, which didn't bode well for them. They, they are an up-tempo team when they're running and gunning uh, and hitting shots, getting rebounds. They usually do well, and, and last night was one, not one of those opportunities for them. And Arkansas did buckle down defensively. Not only did Mizzou only score 68, but... But in the second half, let's see, 30, 40, 57, 31 in the second half. So they really buckled down in the second half defensively. Arkansas wins at 74 to 68. SLU allows 90 points at oh. UMass, and they lose to the Minutemen 90 to 81. Uh, Marcus Camby play? 
No, he wasn't there. Oh, he wasn't there. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, John Calipari wasn't coaching. He wasn't coaching. No, he wasn't. Not, not great. And, and Matthew made the point about how effective the UMass offense had been until that point. Number 250 in the country, scoring-wise? I, I think it was 256th. <laughs> Um, coming into the into the game, they were not a good offensive team. No, and they still aren't. And they still, yeah, they're still not. <laughs> ninety points. Yeah. And again, they were without they were without uh, Javon Pickett, and they were without Fred Thatch for huge chunks. Yeah. But again, that's not you. Just you just can't be letting up ninety points to a UMass team when you still have some pretty good athletes on on, on your roster. Yeah, that's the bottom line. The Thatch left knee injury is scary, and the Billikens. Uh, it's really. Weird and strange and sad, but I think that knee injury ruined Giovanni Perkins. Mm. He he was a really good player, preseason player of the year in the A10 when he tears his ACL before last season, and it takes time I know to recover from an ACL. But the Billikens say that he's a hundred percent. He's as good as he's going to get. He had an ankle injury early in the season, but he's over that now. And there's still, it's just not happening there. He's not over that ankle. Well, injury. that's what they're. I'm yeah. going with what they're saying. Yeah, there's just. I mean, I'm not going to dispute it, their doctors. He's twisted it three times in the last yeah. five games. I mean, it's just you know, it might be one of those things where you know, day to day he feels fine, mm-hmm. but there's clearly something that's nagging him when he's coming down on it solo and in traffic and things like that. Because, again, he's, he's had to go out from twisting it, I think, three times in the last five games. Not 100%. <laughs> no, well, it, it doesn't look r- like regardless, he's not playing the way that we thought he was going to play. Uh, baseball knew. Oh, let, we forgot about the Illinois. Uh, Illinois uh, at least uh, Illinois bailed us out. No, no, nope. didn't help you either. We went for over yesterday, Randy. It didn't oh, didn't did go we? well for me. You assured me so, they were a bunch of nerds. I, I mean, that if they're nerds, Rock, that means they understand angles and and you know shot uh, <laughs> how to shoot at the right angle for shots and how to shoot it off the backboard. They they understood was, all of that. They, that was they your did. argument back in the day. They're, yeah. they're linebackers, just they know the angles. They know coach. the angles. Well, I didn't worry about their linebackers. That, that was not an issue for us. <laughs> so, yeah, Northwestern. Northwestern. Um, yeah, not, I mean, but Northwestern is 11-3. and three. They're 2-1 in the conference now. Uh, Illinois dropped to 9-5 and five and, and clearly been out of the rankings for a couple of games since they lost to Mizzou. They just aren't able to to score and, and get the, the, the scorers in the way um, that they have in the past couple of years. And I think just the transition of so many new faces – Trying to figure out this team, trying to figure out who they are and how they're going to place it, play, put everything together is still they're still young and trying to figure that out. And I believe, and I still believe, even with the transfer portal and as much happens with turnover in college sports and, and all sports, I think the hardest game to win is a conference college basketball game on the road. It is tough. I mean, you you play those teams multiple times, you know, throughout the years, and you know them, they know you, and so. There's a familiarity with it, and, and and going in there, going up to Northwestern, and, and you would hope that you could win that game. You should win that game because again, it's Northwestern. That's how we view them. But you, you t- go up there and take a loss, and you gotta re- you gotta come back and regroup and get some things figured out. Who you are, how you're gonna play on the defensive end, and who's gonna make some shots for them because they they aren't making many shots. Now, Kerry. We are not a complete gloom and doom situation here, right? No. We like to be happy. We like to make folks that are listening to this this show, we like to make them happy. We, we kind of like... Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Okay, so, Missouri lost. Flu lost. Illinois lost. Yeah. My Lindenwood Lions. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> roaring back from a 20-point deficit in hey, Little Rock, go. Arkansas. And they beat Little Rock 67-62. to 62, So... You got that W going some, for you, which is good nice. news. There we go. Also, people complain a lot about ESPN Plus and, and some of the broadcasts mm-hmm. on there. But, man, it is pretty awesome, though, that I can switch around from SLU, Illinois, Mizzou, and still on the ESPN Plus app, there is a live broadcast of the Lindenwood game, too, that you can it's just click awesome, on right it? there. The fa- again, it might not be the greatest, but the reach that ESPN Plus gives you as a college basketball fan, it's pretty special. You can turn on the Lindenwood game pretty yeah. much whenever. It's Fantastic. It's not just pretty good. It's fantastic. <laughs> now, that being said, I gave up on them. They were 20 down. I thought, oh, they ain't going to win. So, I didn't see the end of that one on ESPN+. Plus. But they did win. You didn't catch um, that one. Uh. <laughs> no. Baseball. Rafael Dever signs an 11-year, $331 million deal with the Red Sox. Hey, the price of doing business now in Major League Baseball is the double-digit years, triple-digit dollars deal for players that are Really good. I wouldn't say that Rafael Devers compares to Nolan Arenado at third base. I don't think they're in the same universe as players, but Nolan Arenado decided that he was going to stay with the Cardinals. Thank goodness. And Rafael Devers gets the 11-year, $331 million deal with Boston. Yeah, because the Cardinals wouldn't be paying 11 years. They would not. $300 million. No. Not, not eight years, $250 million. But, Kerry, they're going to have to, right? At some point. Because that's what everybody else is paying. That, that's everybody the way, competitive is yep, paying. That's, the way, the world, that's the way the world, that's the way of the, the baseball world is going. And, and if you want to continue to be competitive, you want to keep those guys in-house and not have to rebuild every you know three, four, five years with new new pieces, you're going to have to pay some people and open, open up the pocketbook to make sure that they stay in town. Yep. And that's what's going to happen when the Cardinals, if the Cardinals get real good production out of Jordan Walker. That might be the first test for them. Flaherty might be the first test for them in regards to paying that sort of money. Yeah, I don't think he will be because of the injuries. I think even if he plays and performs well, they still may feel like, you know what, he, he's he's been often injured, so maybe we don't want to pay him that amount of money. But if you get a Jordan Walker come in here as a rookie, perform well for for four years, five years, and now it's time it's his turn, and has not had any injuries, is is a is a all star for two or three of those years. You know, top five in MVP mm-hmm. voting. Yeah, you got to pay him. I think we do the math here. I think if Flaherty has a good year, when you look at the deal that Carlos Rodon got. I believe Flaherty gets $33 million a year for eight years. From the Cardinals? No, from somebody. Oh, that, yeah. that would be the price the Cardinals would have to pay. No. It rocks on so, my face yeah, when you said yeah. no, it, it, it was a It was a stunned look. Like, yeah. excuse me? I could, tell you what, I could in a split second there, I could have said something about LeBron James being the best ever, and Kerry wouldn't even notice. Yeah, I would have missed yeah. that, because I, the, I thought you meant from the Cardinals. No, yeah. uh, no so, I don't think so. Either. That's a, what, 132, so you're talking 264 over 8. <laughs> For uh, Jack Flaherty, I, I'm Ooh. guessing that that'll probably be the neighborhood that he's he's in, and I don't think the Cardinals right now are. Buy, buy, they might rent in that neighborhood, but they are They're buying, buying in, in, there, in right? that neighborhood. Yeah, that and uh, 15 finalists named for the Pro, Pro Football Hall of Fame, and here are the names: Browns tackle Joe Thomas, lock, right? Yes. Uh, Jets, Patriots. Did he play for the Bucks for a year? Yes. Darrell yes. Rivas, uh, cornerback Darrell Rivas, lock. Yes. Former. 
Colts and many other teams. Defensive end Dwight Franey, former Chiefs and Vikings and Bears and Panthers defensive end Jared Allen, uh, former Bengals tackle Willie Anderson, former Bucks cornerback Rondé Barber, former Bears return man Devin Hester, I think is the most interesting guy in this yeah. list. Former St. Louis Ram wide receiver Torrey Holt. Former Houston wide receiver Andre Johnson, who ended his career, he bounced around, played a year with Indy. Uh, Zach Thomas was one of the best linebackers, kind of overlooked in his era yep. because there were so many good ones with Urlacher and Ray Lewis. But Zach Thomas was a really good player, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, former Cowboys and Broncos defensive end and linebacker Demarcus Ware. Colts wide receiver Reggie Wayne, Niners linebacker Patrick Willis, and Cowboys safety Darren Woodson. Five will go in. And two, we've already determined our locks in Thomas and Rebus. Yeah, I think I think you could take Patrick Willis off of that list. I, I think he was a hell of a football player, but I don't think he gets in. Probably not this year. I no. think Patrick Willis is the Terrell Davis of linebackers. Yeah, not a not a long career, but but yep. a, a bright star in his in his time. Yep. And maybe the better comp is Gale Sayers because at least Terrell Davis had the Super Bowl MVP yeah. and the 2,000-yard season. Just while we have somebody else on the list at the same position, do you think Patrick Willis will be, get in before Zach Thomas? No. No, I, th- I think Thomas I think Zach get Thomas in. gets in. But I don't think Zach Thomas gets in this year either, which is 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 tough for me to say because I, I think he was a he was really, good. really good football player. So here's what I'm thinking. One of the defensive ends, right? Freeney, Allen, or Ware. Yeah. My choice... Would be where? Okay, and he, he was a cowboy. I could, I could, I could go with that. I mean, I, 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 I maybe because I saw Dwight Freeney up close and personal in, in practice for mm-hmm. <laughs> for a minute. Yeah, I, right, I, right. He was, he was definitely special. Um, I think the question, the tough one. What are what are I we need to I need to look at the numbers for Reggie Wayne in comparison to Tory Holt because I think those numbers are are pretty similar. The thing um, with Tory is that his career was truncated by the injury. Uh-huh. But if you go from 2000 to 2009, and th- I use this stat all the time, 2000 to 2009 with Randy Moss and Terrell Owens and Marvin Harrison in the heart, the prime of their careers, and Isaac Bruce, by the way, mm-hmm. Torrey had more yards and more catches than any of those guys from 2000 to 2009. Well, I mean, you you cannot debate that part, uh, part of it. Seven-time Pro Bowler. What do we have here, Rock? Uh, oh, that's far. We got... I can't see that. <laughs> Seven-time so, uh, seven Pro Bowler for Torrey Holt. Reggie Wayne, 1,070 uh, receptions for 14,300 yards and 82 touchdowns okay. across a 15-year career, where Torrey Holt's a little bit shorter career puts up 920 receptions for 13,300 yards and 74 touchdowns. So played played 10 years, right? Uh, yes. yes. 11. Eleven okay, years. Yeah, you got that one year. Yeah, in one year in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. What is uh? What is um? How many Pro Bowls for Reggie Wayne? Reggie Wayne was a six-time Pro Bowler and a one-time All-Pro. Torrey Holt on the other side was a seven-time Pro Bowler and a one-time All-Pro. Well, I mean, they, they, the numbers are are pretty comparable. And and you, as you said, Torrey played less years, less games. Um, I think one of those gets in. I, I think it is Torrey at some point. I. I Possibly this year, and, and you could probably put uh, Reggie Wayne in next year because I don't think mm-hmm. there are any real any receiver threats coming in. They tried not to put one position in. I think they tried to try to sp- spread it out amongst the positions and let those guys get in. Um, so I think you said Joe Thomas, Dar- Darrell Revis, one of the DNs. We said Demarcus Ware more than likely, um, Tory Holt, and then you looking at Rondé and, and Devin Hester. Yep. And 
for them to put Devin in is going to be it's special because he's going in as a returner. And he is the best he returner. He is the There's best no to ever it. do it. But do you put him in over Rondé Barber uh, this season? Because I think, it, I think it boils down to Rondé. I, I know Darren Woodson is there as well. He, he's a guy that's been there for a while. So Here's the thing that'll hurt, I believe, in that room, Devin Hester. Rondé Barber's on the on the field for every play on defense. Yeah. Devin Hester is on the field to make an impact six yeah. times a game, right? Yeah. Eight times a game. It's just a different... It's kind of like the closer in baseball. It's a different position that I don't know if the voters in that room have put their arms around it. Yeah. Minutieri's got to go into the Hall of Fame when uh-huh. he's a finalist, but there's only two kickers in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. There's only one punter in the right. Hall of Fame. Right. And I don't know that the voters have a real good grasp of how to deal with it. So you think he's off? The, he's left off because of that? I, no, I think there's a chance. I'm, I'm with you. I think that that battle for the fifth spot... I, I kind of think Tory's in the battle for the fifth spot. Really, I, I, I think Tory Hester Barber. I think those three are are probably five, six, and seven this year on the list. And who do you have in, as your four, top four then? So I've got. I'm with you. I've got Thomas. I've got Revis. I've got Demarcus Ware. Demarcus Ware, and then um, I did put Zach Thomas in there. Okay. Okay. Ooh. All right. I, I mean, I, it's so when it gets down to to this amount of people and you understand how well they played the game, it's it's a very difficult thing to, to pick and choose who deserves in and who doesn't. Here's the thing, Kerry. Each of these 15 guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. They definitely do. Heinz Ward has been a finalist before and isn't he's even, a finalist even a finalist this year. Yeah. And he's, a hall, he's an easy <laughs> Hall of Famer for me. It's a, it's a tough task to, to figure out who is in and who isn't. Yeah. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. And coming up, we have the text line open for you, 314-399-9646. That's the new text line, Air Comfort Service, 314-399-YOHO. YOHO, Y-O-H-O, if you want to join us for Sick of It, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker. We want your texts in for Sick of It, 314-399-9646. That's our new text line number. Just uh, put it in your phone and save it in your phone or learn it, love it, live it. Mm, I like it. Yeah. Just know it, <laughs> 314-399-9646. All right, CD, we were talking about the Football Hall of Fame and the debates that will take place, and I'm sure that there will be some players that will be devoted an hour or more to just an hour or more. I'm sure that there's a lot of consternation as baseball writers prepare to vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame and make their decisions. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. I am sick of the fact that I keep getting notifications that we've got all these ballots for Speaker of the House. I don't care. <laughs> all right? You take care of your business in Washington. I don't want to hear about it. I just, I, I'll listen to Hall of Fame ballots all day long. I'll, I'll talk about the possibility of the Hall of Fame. If you can't figure out who a good leader is up there, that's your problem, not mine. They got to figure it out. Yeah. At some point. I, I, I agree with you. I'm going to stay on the same page as you with the Hall of Fame ballots, and I am sick of... Former players and Hall of Famers not being a part of the votes. I believe that if you want a real understanding of who a player was, how hard it was to guard them, how hard it was to prepare for them, you know, how much fear they struck into to opposing players, you need former players on those panels as well to help make those decisions across all sports. That that would be my 
my one thing that I would like to see more of. And coaches. And coaches. Like guys that that who, 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 did, who which coach was it that said he's an ambient player? Was it coach Venturi? Yeah, yeah. Talking about ambient some guy, right. ambient guys. Some guys are, are guys you know you're not gonna sleep this week because and it might be a guy on this list that we're looking at and say, as much as we don't or some people may not respect mm-hmm. Devin Hester, there were coaches that didn't get sleep yes. the night before they had to play against him. We cannot kick the ball to him. Or if we're stubborn enough to kick it to him, you guys have to get downfield. And there are many special teams coaches that lost sleep that night trying to prepare for that game and the night after the game because he probably returned one on them. You know Corey Chavis, yes. the former safety, good yep. guy, and former Ram. And I remember going into the locker room and asking him about players. He knew everything about players. Yeah. Like every player. Yep. And he still does. He's, yep. a, he's a draft analyst. But there are some players that you go in and talk to as a media member and ask, and they say, well, I really don't watch much football. So you, you have to vet the you guys. Definitely you do. have to have the— yes. like. I don't know if Lawrence Taylor would really know. You probably wouldn't. You, right? you would want guys that are are paying attention. Stu- yeah, <laughs> 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 students of the game. But I'm with you 100. percent Yeah, I think that gives it more credibility too. I think so as well. Guys that actually were in those rooms, on those fields with those gentlemen, it it it, it carries more weight. Yeah. knowing that this guy was, whew, I couldn't I I couldn't wait for the game to be over. I respected him, but I didn't want to continue to. To go into battle against them. All right, sick of it. Your text three one four three nine 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 six four six. That's three one four three nine nine. Yo ho! All right, Matthew, what do you got on the so new text glad, line? I'm so glad we were the ones who got to decide what the what the what that little shorthand was going to be for the last four numbers, uh, because we didn't killed, take long. We killed it. Did it. We, we did. We killed Yo-ho. it. All right, we just killed it. I'm sick of the Blues giving up a goal right after scoring one. It happens uh, all the time. Uh, I'm uh, sick of it too. Uh, you got I'm, used to it. I'm sick of five goals. Make it three. Five goals being scored against. Make it make it two. Hey, hell, Randy, make it zero. I like that idea. I don't know that that's going to happen, but I like that idea. Let's try that. By the way, after the Blues scored their sixth the other night, they didn't give up a goal right after that. There now, you go. Ah, I see how you, yeah. Positive look, outlook on things, Randy. <laughs> Spent a week in Mexico for my honeymoon. Got back yesterday. I forgot how miserable this Midwest weather is. Sick of it. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that can happen in a hurry. You missed well, the you uh, missed, 60 degree day yeah, by one missed, day, man. You missed the, the last couple of days. It was it's okay. It's kind of yeah. chilly. The last Yesterday it got chilly, and then today is going to be chilly. So I have drank water in Mexico and never had any problems. Oh, you were a survivor. I'm a survivor. Okay. Montezuma's not mad at you. No, not not at all. I do actually. Uh, my wife, before we were married, went down and, unfortunately for her, drank an iced tea with ice. Uh, didn't think of that part of it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> big mistake. Not great. I'm sick of it. Dry January. I'm all for those who choose to abstain for a month, but stop telling me you're doing it. I don't care. Eh, but if you if you do it, good for you. Yeah, so, sure. Why not? Is it- I would think it's more of an accomplishment for some than others. Yes. So if if you're doing it and it's important to you and it is an accomplishment for you, if you tell me about it, I don't I don't mind if you do. Sick of it. Blank MLB Hall of Fame ballots. Who do these people think they are? Do they really watch baseball? That goes back to what I was saying. You you get some players that as much as people as much as writers may not like Barry Bonds. There are some players and some pitchers that faced him and can tell you mm-hmm. it was it was a it was a terrible night for me. It was a rough day 
uh, preparing for that night game. There are there are former players that, oh, man, he crushed our hopes and dreams in this one game. That Those things matter. And if you are a special talent, a special player, and if you have writers who don't write anything on their ballots, should they still be allowed to be, no. a, be a, a, a voter? I, I believe that you should lose your rights to vote for the Hall of Fame if you turn in a blank ballot. If you aren't willing to work hard enough to determine that there is a Hall of Famer, when logic would dictate that there are Hall of Famers, yeah, I, I would say that if, if you turn in a blank ballot, if you think the Hall of Fame is good, then you should just not vote anymore. And the Baseball Writers Association of America has very specific rules, but rules can be changed, as we've seen. So I'm with you that uh, the, those people that vote with, because they, they I think the person that uh, Jeter didn't vote for turned in a blank ballot. Really? Otherwise, Jeter's a, a unanimous Hall of Famer. Uh, Dan Lebetard was a guy. What happened with him a few years ago? He did something with his ballot, and I can't remember what the story was. He, yeah, and something happened. Uh, ESPN uh, yeah. guy, he did something, and, and I think they took away his, his voting rights for yeah. his ballot. That he, he might have told on the air who he voted for. I'm not sure. We'll that have to check that out. It was something like that. Here's another thing, though, about the baseball specific, because they have more than 500 people that vote for the Hall of Fame. And they have weeded a lot of people out. But our friend Howard Balzer, and he said this on the air, he's a football writer. He never went to baseball games. But because he had worked at the St. Louis Bay Sporting News, the Bible of baseball, he had a Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. Wow. That that doesn't that problem man. doesn't exist anymore. Okay. So back right. in 2014, Dan Levitard put his ballot on a, on Deadspin and let people yeah. vote on who he should who That's he, who he oh, should oh, vote yeah. for, and uh, they uh, they gave him a lifetime ban from voting, yeah. voting for the so, Hall of Fame. So because he let everyone else vote, and then the person that doesn't let any votes doesn't have any mm-hmm. votes, they still could yeah. keep their ballot. Eh. Should have just done it anonymous. Anon- anonymously. We have some people who are weirdly really angry about phrases right now, so this is interesting to me. Who's? I'm sick of it. The phrase, thank you so much, from a person with a fake smile and an attitude. <laughs> no, at least being polite. Well, you, you can just say I'm sick of Randy. That's okay. <laughs> oh, Randy. No, Why would I, you be I, sick I of someone it. saying thank you so much? Because there's the person in your has day? a fake smile and an attitude, I guess. What's going on with, with your I don't know. You, yeah, know so, what I'm, you know what I am sick of? I, I will tell you, you this. I am sick of holding doors for people and they not say, and them not saying thank you. Ooh, I'm with I will, I will, I will. You're welcome. Right behind you. I do that you. too. <laughs> I do it too. You're welcome. Yep. You, yep. If I hold this then, door for you or if I let you over in traffic and you don't give me, hey, hey, hey. It's a, it's a right way to, wrong way to do these things. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go about it the right and way. Do you love the grudging? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I would tell you're welcome. I'm a little bit. I'm not that way with with doors. I am that way with people who don't wait. Uh, give me the the wave when yeah. I let them in the highway. That, yeah. Mm, I don't think you. I have uh, yeah. tinted windows. I don't know if you can see me. I don't anyway. either. But but I I I know you, I'm I know you, I'm doing it. Do it. If you right. see it or yeah. not? If I, if I look and there's the tint and I can't see it, fine. But if I can see daylight through yeah. the window and at no point is there an obstruction to the daylight yeah. giving me a sign that your hand is waving in front of it, now. Now I'm angry. Um, right. Here you go. I'm sick of people saying I can't wait. Well, guess what? You're gonna. You yeah. have to. Very angry text group today. Yeah. Bart Scott. So it all started there. We we, we don't have to go. We, we had again. a discussion about him yesterday, yep. and I told you a few things off air. He about made him. a career out of two words, didn't he? He did. He really did because 
I saw the man duck from a wide receiver and, and was very disappointed. <laughs> thank you, Matthew. <laughs> thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate them coming up. Greg Amsinger back from his vacation. We'll talk to him about how that went. And we're going to ask him uh, an interesting Cardinal question that I don't know if he has an answer for it. He usually does, but we'll find out next time. 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, St. Louis native, product of the Lindenwood University, the lead anchor for MLB Network, Greg Amsinger, joins us right now. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Product of the Lindenwood University. Yeah. I heard that great uh, sports update. And this is no joke. I, I, I was in a bad mood last night. I, breaking news, I had to stay on to do the Devers extension, which is fun, right? But we had to stay on a little later. I race home have a great dinner with my wife and my son, and I, I put on the iPad. I, I had the Brooklyn Nets game. We've adopted the Brooklyn Nets since we moved to the Northeast. My son loves the NBA. I had the Brooklyn Nets game on. I had that movie with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga on at the uh-huh. same time in my basement. Oh, what a wonderful movie that was. I really enjoyed it. Sad ending if you've never seen it. And then I had the Linderwood game on. I guess the Little Rock Trojans, Okay. We're down 27-9. I'm thinking about flipping it off. I'm like, this isn't going to work out. And then we just kept grinding and grinding. And this kid, Kanan Cole, comes off the bench and doesn't miss a three. He's 5 of 5 behind the arc. 21 points, 11 boards. Plays out of his mind. We come back, take the lead. We win the game. I'm sweaty. I'm wearing my Lindenwood hoodie. I took a picture of me going crazy. I said to Kyle Herdeman, the head coach, so he could see it right when the game was over. It was a wonderful <laughs> night to be a Linwood alum. <laughs> Love it. That's fabulous. Hey, t- tell us about uh, taking your son to New Orleans. How'd that go? Uh, well, he saw things he'll never unsee. Um, <laughs> I, 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 about halfway through, the idea of walking down Bourbon Street, you got to see Bourbon Street. Come on, London. You got to see Bourbon Street. The problem is he looks like he's 15 or 16 years old. He's He's a big, tall guy. He's got a peach fuzz mustache that keeps growing back every three days. So he saw a couple things on Bourbon Street that <laughs> I, 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 my, my parenting skills have been questioned. I'll put it that way. They've been questioned. <laughs> hey, Greg, we were, we were talking about this um, last couple of days. As it, as it stands right now, do you feel like the Cardinals roster is better uh, now than it was last year? Ooh. Um... That's a good question. I, I, I have to say yes. And the reason I say yes, no one expected Yadi or Molina to play at an all-star level behind the plate. And, and no one knew exactly how many games he's going to play. Andrew Kisner really couldn't get anything going offensively. And while you always look at offense from the catching position as the cherry on top of a great Sunday, it is beneficial when you know you have a bat in that spot that can play at an all-star level. And Contreras being the catcher for the Cardinals every day, a guy that wants to catch every day, and now he's got this $80-plus plus million contract to live up to. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. That was a light contract for a guy with his credentials. He's going to come out and play well. And to have that extra bat, that everyday guy that wants to lead behind the plate. You know, Jack Flaherty is, to me, the most important player on the team. Uh, I think he has to pitch to a Cy Young finalist level for the Cardinals. I don't think to win the Central, per se. They're going to be the heavy favorites 
to win the Central, but to get past the four teams ahead of them. And, and when I say the four teams, I, I say the three teams in the East, the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, and the Dodgers. To me, those four teams are better than the Cardinals heading into opening day. The only way they're better than those four teams, Jack Flaherty has to be in a win day. Every five days, the Cardinals are going to win. But as it stands now, with the health being better than it was last year, with Wayno going out final season, having Contreras behind the plate, I think, yes, knowing what Juan Yepes can do as a DH, a right-handed bat, because of what you saw last year, I think it's a better roster this year than last year. Greg Amzinger, MLE Network, with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, Greg, I want to ask you about that Devers contract, because when you're playing in a division with an emerging Baltimore team, in addition, obviously, to the Yankees and the Jays and uh, the Rays, I I don't know why you give Devers that contract right now. Does he, over the course of the next five years, and I know that's a long time in baseball, but is if, is Rafael Devers that sort of a, a foundational player that you say, okay, we're going to build around him and we're going to be able to play with the Yankees and the Jays and the Rays on a regular basis? And so uh, in the immediate, the answer is no. Like, I don't know what they're doing for 2023 because with Raphael Devers, you didn't add him. You're bringing him back. Well, we had them picked last going into opening day <laughs> as of yesterday, two days ago, with Raphael Devers. He could have been a trade chip, but they're going to have him for the next 11 years. This is why, the way I look at it, twofold, right? The Boston Red Sox have been operating like a mid-market team. And I, on your show, I said, it is a tough thing to do as a GM to ask for millions and millions of dollars from ownership. That is not as easy as it sounds. Uh, spending other people's money can be difficult. Heim Bloom has struggled to do that. The moves he has made, the Kenley Jansons, the Justin Turners, the Christian Martins, the Chris Martins, those are all plan B guys, okay? And he's used to doing that, the cost-efficient stuff. But if you're the Boston Red Sox and you, you charge more money for your tickets to your games than any other team, the most expensive tickets in baseball at Fenway Park, you've got to have someone that you can sell a jersey to. You can't operate like the Tampa Bay Rays or the Oakland A's. You can't do that. So they needed one star. He's 26 years old. It's not going to change anything for 2023, in my opinion. I really don't think it will. But – it's a year from now. The big free agents, the Machados, the Shohei Otanis, that, that class, you're not getting any of them to consider the Red Sox without a pillar star bat that you know will be around them for a while. So teams want to win. The guys want to win, right? You're not luring any free agents without a star. They kept one star in Rafael Devers. And twofold, there is no no trade clause in his contract. He can't be traded without the life throughout the life of this contract, eleven years. So if it doesn't work out, if it if this is a guy that you know he's six foot two forty, <laughs> is he Pablo? Is he Pablo Sandoval's? Okay, <laughs> it's a contract you can move. And I, I think overall, when you look at the other contracts that we're giving out, ten plus years, this takes him to thirty seven. The Trey Turners, the Xander Bogarts, all those deals. They're in their 40s when this contract ends. So I do think it was a win-win for the Red Sox. Hey, Greg, you talked to us about the, the fact that Nolan Arenado didn't opt out and how you'll never see something like that again. If he were to never win a, a World Series in his tenure here as a St. Louis Cardinal, do you think he would be a little bit regretful that he didn't take that option? No. 
I, I do not think so. I, I think Nolan Arenado is just wired differently. And that's why once I met Nolan, and he was, I think, year three into his big league career, and I'm in spring training, and I came up with this hokey, um, like, open to our show. And I would do it in every single camp, right? And I, I'm like, hey, Nolan, I know it sounds weird, but I'm going to want you to act like you're, you know, going to get a foul ball and me and Dan Plesek are chatting. And I want you to, like, jump into the stands and collide with us. <laughs> and the PR guy for the Rockies is like, he's not doing that. I'm like, well, let me ask him. He might do it. And Nolan's like, absolutely, you got it, man. I'm like, for real? <laughs> and like, yeah, whatever you guys need. And he like, jumps into the stand. I got a photo of this, okay? I, I walk away. I'm like, that's the coolest dude in the sport. And then he, he's laughing. He jumps in back into the drills, and he's getting after it, getting after it. He's dripping a sweat within 10 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I'm kind of obsessed with Nolan Arnato. And it wasn't just because of that, but it kind of kick-started my fandom of Nolan Arnato, and then getting to know him and, like, chatting with him away from the game. He's obsessed with the sport. Hmm. I've met, like, 12 guys that are lifers, right? Larry Boa doesn't go to bed until the final out of the last game on the West Coast. Doesn't matter if it's the 22nd inning in Oakland. Larry Boa doesn't go to bed because <laughs> I know this because he texts me the entire time. <laughs> it's just the last out of the last game, and I, he's a lifer. It's all he wants to talk about. I've known Larry Boa for 15 years. He doesn't even know I'm married with kids. <laughs> all we talk about is baseball, and, and Nolan Arenado is cut from the same cloth. And you put Nolan Arenado in St. Louis, and I knew it was a match made in heaven. He'll never regret not opting out. He is in the fa- his favorite place to be. He lives there, bought a house there. His wife loves it there. They've got their baby. This guy is all in on St. Louis. And uh, I just think watching him flourish in, in my, my hometown is going to be a sight to behold for the next few years. Hey, Greg, one last thing from me. Is there any chance after what happened heading into the postseason last year that if you were the Cardinals, you would bring Aroldis Chapman to, to camp, even if it were on a non-roster, uh, non-roster minor league deal? Yeah, I love the idea. I really, really do. I, at the end of the day, people are, are branding him as a bad guy for multiple reasons. Obviously, he had an incident uh, that led to him being traded from the Cincinnati Reds to the, to the New York Yankees when he was a superstar in the game. And then him and Aaron Boone didn't see eye to eye, and he didn't show up for a mandatory workout, which gave the Yankees the opportunity to just leave him off the roster. But the problem with that was he knew he was going to be left off the roster. And when you have to, this is something you have to understand. Latin players look at Hall of Famers like royalty, like, like, like baseball gods, right? And in Latin America, they view Rolls Chapman as a guy who's on the Hall of Fame highway. So you can't disrespect a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famers, they breathe different air. And the fact that he was going to be left off the playoff roster was going to be an embarrassment to what many believe is a future Hall of Famer. So his pride kept him away from that. I'm with you. I love that idea. I truly do. My only reservation is with the pitch timer, <laughs> this mm, is one point. guy that mm. might be affected by it because he takes a long time to regroup and throw that baseball as hard as he can throw it. And once a reliever gets in the game and all of a sudden there's a base hit and then there's a hit by pitch. I've seen it when I covered it in the minor leagues when they had the pitch timer. The game speeds up in a big way on relievers. That said, the upside here for a roll to Shabbat who struggle, I get it. 
I would totally take a flyer on a role as Chapman if I'm the St. Louis Cardinals. I totally would. I would also, no joke, take a flyer on Nelson Cruz. Hmm. Great human being. Amazing guy. Brings a little bit of the leadership that you lost last year with Yachty and Pools going away. And I just think he's, he, to me, he would love it in St. Louis. DH him in case Juan Yepes struggles in the role. I, I, he wants to be in a winning environment. That's why he hasn't signed yet. I would also roll the dice and boomstick. Hey, Greg, we've had a question here on the text line uh, for, I don't know, the last couple of months, and I think you may be the one person that can answer it. Is Jordan Walker on the opening day roster? Oh, no. Answer is no. Uh, they're going to play the control game there. And as, that, as much as that bums me out, uh, if the Cardinals were with a thin roster where they didn't have such a log jam in so many different spots going into opening day, the answer would be like, yeah, yeah. Like, Adley Rushman should have started opening day last year. Like, the catcher of the Orioles, that should have happened. They would have been in the playoffs if he did. If you look at their record when he started, compared to when he wasn't on the team, it was drastic. But in this case, this is not a thin roster. They've got a lot of guys. Tyler O'Neill needs to prove himself again. Dylan Carlson wants to show everybody he's an everyday center fielder. I just don't see them doing that when they don't have to do it. They'll play the control game. Whoever's struggling is going to take a seat. This kid's going to go to the outfield somewhere. But it's an exciting time because, once again, the Cardinals always do this. Spend the smart smart money, Arenado, Goldie, Contreras, and they're always bringing up that next star who they drafted and developed. It's what the Cardinals do, and and you're going to see it play out again. Uh, This kid Walker is the real deal. Greg Amsinger, great to hear your voice. You're the very best. And uh, one one other thing. We were just talking about this. If anybody turns in a Hall of Fame ballot that doesn't have a name on it, should they continue to receive their their right, their privilege of voting for the Hall of Fame? No, no, no. Matter of fact, let's start dwindling this group down. Please. <laughs> I'm, I am... I get it. A lot of these writers follow one team, and, and I respect that. It's not an easy job. But there are other people out there. I've met a couple that watch every damn game every single night, and they talk about it on TV. I, I don't know them personally. I don't know any of these guys personally. But there are people with jobs that are on television where maybe they do live look-ins of all 15 games, and they have to know all 30 rosters, and they have to know all the farm systems, <laughs> and they talk about them. To nauseam for three hours <laughs> to one o'clock in the morning. And then at seven in the morning, another morning, right? <laughs> right. I know a couple of these people, okay? <laughs> I think those people are more qualified to vote for the Hall of Fame than some podcaster who's got a blog and he writes a couple of funny tidbits about the Orioles. So, anyway, <laughs> now I'm sweaty. Randy, you got me sweaty. I knew you were going to. Yeah, the answer. Is yes, you should take away their Hall of Fame vote. All right. Have a great one. You're the best, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Greg. Uh, see you guys. See you, brother. Take care. That is Greg Amsinger of the Lindenwood University and the MLB Network, so he agrees with us. Yes. Yeah, if you don't want to put a name on there, you shouldn't be allowed yeah. to vote anymore. And Greg has a great historical knowledge of the game. Danny Mack has a great historical knowledge of the game. But I think all of us would say this. If Bob Costas can't get a vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame, what are we doing? Yeah, right? I, I, I agree. 
So that's the only argument we need to make, Sean. Uh, coming up next on 101 ESPN, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. You got to play it. It's the only argument that matters, Sean. <laughs> take, take it or leave it as next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. There is no way that LeBron will ever be Jordan. Nobody will ever be Jordan, okay? Okay, LeBron's a better rebounder and passer. Will you let me finish? Can you, can you let me finish? Call me when LeBron has six championships. Is that your only argument? It's the only argument I need, Sean! <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Uh, Nothing else you need, that's no. it. Text six, uh, no, not six, uh, 314-399-9646. I was just so excited. Uh, it's time for Take It or Leave It. Carrie, Take It or Leave It, one 20-second segment can make a movie for you. Oh, I, one. That, mo- that movie is not great, it, it, but that segment But there's is another some- one, if it's the same movie, I think, where they have the uh, Big Sean song, uh, where <laughs> yeah. it, it is, that is... And, and the father just goes in with it, like, hey, you know, we're here now. Okay. I guess we got to go with it. Yeah. I think multiple 20 second moments okay. matter. Like, <laughs> it, it, if there are moments that you can quote and, and respond to and remember, yeah. that, that matters. That makes the movie funny. Um, Randy, Lamar Jackson has been out for a while. Take it or leave it, there's a possibility, a, a slim chance that he. He may be relishing in this moment and helping the the Ravens understand you need me more than I need you. I don't think it's a small possibility. I think he's staging a hold in. You think he, you think in this moment yep. he's healthy enough to play and saying, "Nope, I ain't gonna do it." Yep, he's letting down his teammates, he's letting down the fans, he's letting down the organization because you, he he is not respecting the contract that he's playing under right now. You I I I feel that I feel like he's healthy enough to play, but he's not going to play because why would he? Why would I go out there and risk life and limb, you know, for you all, and, and you all aren't mm-hmm. going to uh, going to pay me the, the money that I need to be paid? Because you have fifty two other guys that have gone to battle since the start of training I, camp. I understand, Randy. I do, but he's the best one of those fifty two of those other fifty two. Yes, he is. And and you're choosing not to give him the money that he desires or requires. Well, it's and I'm gu- not saying it's right. Yeah, it's the guaranteed money, and that's the future. For me, when I sign a contract, I'm going to live up to what the stipulations of the contract are until the contract is over. Now, if he decides to stage a hold in after the contract is up, that that that's fine. But to me, you live up to a contract. If if I wanted a new contract from Hubbard Radio. Uh-huh. I wouldn't just stop coming in and say, "Okay, I'm going to not work until you give me a contract." I'm not well, going go, to. I'm not going to I'm not going to live up to the contract. Well, he's just not that's working. That's the question. That's the question. <laughs> he's is just he, not working. Is he working? So, and I, I just speculate that that's the story. 
But I can also tell you, and you and I know the NFL, maybe better than him. He's representing himself. But the NFL has already determined that the Deshaun Watson contract is an outlier. And yeah. if he goes into free agency, Lamar will find that that totally guaranteed contract is not going to be out there for him. Well, I, I think he will find that, but I think him finding that from another team would make him feel better than 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 hearing that from the Baltimore mm-hmm. Ravens. A, because they're in the same conference as the, as the Cleveland Browns, and B, it's a level of disrespect that I think comes from, you know, the, the organization where you've won an MVP, you've taken this team to the playoffs, you are the standard for what they desire and what they need for that franchise, and you're not willing to pay him what he desires or what he requires. I think you you may be looking at a player that is, like I said, is healthy enough, but just yeah, it's still it's still banged up a little bit. Like he probably could have gone out there at some point in the last couple of weeks. We all have played with injuries and and things that you know nag mm-hmm. us, and you know I, it, it's part of the game. You deal with it, but I think he's helping them understand. Like if without me. There is no you, and 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 the Ravens are coming to that to terms with that right now. Here's the thing, though: if you're Steve Viscotti, you say, "I want a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. I want a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. I haven't won a Super Bowl with you yet." Yeah, but this roster that those rosters had defenses that were mm-hmm. outstanding, that were and, and this roster does not have everything else that they need in in order to to, to win championships. I just think if he had had postseason success, this would be a different story altogether. I, I, and and by, by the way, by that I mean. Going to AFC or winning a Super Bowl, game. yeah. Uh, I would say AFC Championship game at least. Yeah. Yeah. Winning one. All right. What do we got on the text line, Matthew? Take it or leave it. The only way the Cardinals do anything more than being bounced in the first round is if they get 2019 Flaherty and 2021 Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. You just never know. I, I, I'm going to – you said the only way they, they – They get past the first round is if they have both 2019 Flaherty and 2021 You're O'Neal. going to need both of those guys, especially Flaherty. You're going to need him to be the ace of aces in order for them to be successful. And if you get Tyler O'Neill playing at an MVP level, that should be a recipe for winning more than one series in the playoffs. What if, though, and this isn't out of the realm of possibility, what if Jordan Walker hits 25 home runs and drives in 90 with an 850 OPS and Jordan Montgomery wins 18 games and is a stud for game one of the playoffs? I, I, I... Could they win then is a possibility. Yeah, they could. But I think if you have those two playing at that level, you definitely put yourself in a chance. To, in a position I would say to, you put yourself in a better position, yeah. but I wouldn't say the only way they can get past the first round is with those two things happening. Take it or leave it. The Big Ten will not win a men's NCAA championship in basketball in the next 20 years. Leave it. I will take that bet if I'm getting the rest of the field, sir. Just 20 years for an entire conference yeah, with their history? Yeah, I'll, I'll, take that guy's, I'll take the bet against that guy. I'll oh, yeah, take, I'll yeah. take oh. the Big Ten over the next 20 years okay, against, yeah. against yeah. everything else happening across yeah. the next 20 years. Come on now. By the way, how about Kevin Warren, our buddy, negotiating to become the president of the Bears and leaving That's, the Big Ten uh, yeah. commissionership? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. He's an NFL guy. Yeah. Well, we got to get some new blood in the Big Ten, NCAA, all of it. Just the flush them NCAA, all out. Yeah, yeah. Flush everything out. Start yeah. over. Kevin Warren is a... Uh, He's a disciple of Dick Vermeil, mm-hmm. and if the Bears get him and his leadership ability, all of a sudden the organization will become good. Okay, I, well that is a hot take from a hot studio. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's a little chilly so, today. It's, it's still a hot take. It's a little chilly. Uh, it is chilly. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll give you a cold take for a cold studio later on. Don't worry. I got I got plenty of them. Take it or leave it. Mizzou makes the Sweet 16. There it is. Leave it. Oh, leave it. <laughs> There's the cold take. We'll leave it. Uh, I don't see. When don't, I say it, I sound like a hater. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I wonder just, why. They know. Sweet 16. The, 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 even at Missouri, they know that with the great start, it's their first year, and this is not a finished product. He's, he being Dennis Gates, is building something. Yes, I I agree. They are headed in the in the correct direction. Um, but Sweet Sixteen this year is going to be no. tough. But it, you said they know. Do you think that people actually know? Because we were talking about this earlier. Coaching high school kids, some kids don't know, and some adults don't know. You know, to the level of their 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 playing ability or or how far they can go. Do you think people at Mizzou really know that that Sweet Sixteen is out of the the, the realm of possibility? Let me put it this way: <laughs> St. Peter's can do it. Come the, on, uh, come on! St. Peter's can do it. The upper levels of that athletic department they understand that this is a process and not an event. Put it that way. Thank the, you, Matthew. A process. Thank yep. you very much. Thank you very much, Brandy. <laughs> Not so much for you, Carrie. <laughs> That's Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Thanks for your texts and that new text line, 314-399-9646. How should the NFL handle the schedule with Buffalo and Cincinnati? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. The league did acknowledge that it now has a few days to start thinking about this and figuring out what it's going to do. And the fact of the matter is there really are two options. The first would be that the game is declared a no contest, a tie, however you want to do it. And then you calculate the seedings off the games that each team plays in the regular season, even if it means one fewer game for Cincinnati and Buffalo. The other option would be that there is the Pro Bowl skills competition, an essential bye weekend between the conference championship game and the Super Bowl. The league has the option of using that weekend in the event that it wants to push back the regular season by a week, the playoffs by a week, do whatever it feels is necessary. That's ESPN's Adam Schefter talking about how the league is going to deal with the suspension of the Bills-Bengals game on Monday night. And Pro Football Talk, Kerry, is reporting that momentum is growing towards solving the problem by just canceling the game between the Bills and the Bengals, the former of which Adam Schefter reported, and allowing the playoffs to proceed and the buys and the seeding based upon winning percentage. Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, you obviously got to see how this week plays out and pans out. If you were to do it in the point where you were to push the, the season back and allow the Bills and the and the um, Bengals to play next week and everyone else have a bye, you could potentially, potentially be looking at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs of getting two weeks off prior to their their first game because they would mm-hmm. be if they were the first seed they would have to, uh, the first round by and that that extra week off I don't know how you you resolve this I don't know I mean obviously obviously the 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 health of DeMar Hamlin is the most pressing issue and the most important issue um but you still have to play football games because that's that's what that that's the business and that's how how everything goes um I don't know how how they how they resolve this I you hope that 
maybe you play this weekend's games and and things fall in a way where you don't really necessarily need to go back and and play that game. Um, But if you do and you have to get it in next week would would potentially be the best best time if you can push everything else back a week. And they have to make a decision today, right? It's Thursday that if they would cancel the Bengals Bills game. The Chiefs would get the number one seed by beating the Raiders on Saturday. The Bills would become the top seed by beating the Patriots on Sunday if the Chiefs lose to the Raiders. Yes. The Chiefs have lost to the Raiders in the past. It's their number one rival. Right. And that would be a huge feather in the cap of Josh McDaniels in his first year as the Raiders coach. But if you're the Bills, you probably haven't had your head completely in the game this week. Yeah. So if you're the league, I think you have to say something this morning about what your plans are. Well, you got to get something done. And, and it's, I mean, it's a tough situation for the Buffalo Bills because they didn't practice. They, they they took the time off. They came in for meetings. I don't know that they actually had practice I don't yesterday. Think they have. I think they and Wednesday is usually the the first day of of real practice where you're. That's the most important day for game planning and making sure you know what your opponent, how to scout, what you, what you what what they plan to do to you and what you plan to do them. Um, and if you didn't practice that day and now you're here Thursday, I don't know if the Bills are in a space mentally to even play the game this weekend. Much less think about. What's going to happen with their their game that was suspended, you know, last weekend versus the 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 Bengals? And Kerry, to go back to the other thing we talked about is allowing one singular game, Bengals and Bills, which in what was supposed to be Wild Card Weekend, and then start the Wild Card Weekend after yeah. and take away the Pro Bowl Weekend. Not only does Kansas City get two weeks off, but if you look at the whole league, if you're in the NFC and Philadelphia gets more time for yeah. Jalen Hurts yeah. to get healthy. Yeah. It, it doesn't. Now, granted, they could get the bye with a win against right. the Giants. Right. But there's, I'm sure, multiple situations. The, the Niners with Debo Samuel. Yes. Give him an extra week yep. to get ready. It seems like some of the situations, and none of this is fair, but some of the situations in a situation like that where they would have one game on one weekend would present teams an advantage that they wouldn't normally yeah. have going into the wild card weekend. Well, I think anytime you're in a leadership position, you're going to have to make decisions that everyone is not going to agree with. If you are the the Philadelphia Eagles, you're probably hoping that maybe an extra week would be beneficial. If you're the San Francisco 49ers, an extra week would be beneficial. If you're playing those teams, you're not so you're not so happy about it, but that comes with the territory of being in leadership. Um, and as I sit here and think about it, you you if everyone else has played 17 games, you got to play 17 games. And now, again, how you go how you go about that if you play this weekend and decide okay, we're going to have one game next week that'll be the Bengals and the Bills, you still don't know how your teammate is at that point. You're still going back to the scene of the incident and and all of those emotions that take place. I think this this whole injury and 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 what happened with DeMar Hamlin is so so heart-wrenching for for those Buffalo Bills players it's going to be tough to see how they how they perform I mean it's we know as players as I said yesterday you have to compartmentalize so many things in your life and put them in boxes and set them to the side I'm gonna close this box I gotta go to practice I gotta go to work I gotta go to you know meetings I gotta go play a game I'm gonna sit this aside till I get done no phones no nothing you don't have any access to anything but everything that is right in front of you but this situation is completely different. Mm-hmm. And this is not a not a situation you can just sit in a box and push off to the side because, as I said yesterday, this person is normally with you every single day when you put those other things to the side and now he's not there. And I, I just feel like it's going to be a, a, a tough task to ask those men to go out and perform knowing how heavy 
their hearts are dealing with what they're they're missing when they're in their teammate who's still still you still don't have any answers no you're seeing signs of improvement but you don't have any real answers as to how well he's going to be and how well he's doing this league is so responsible we should have an answer from them by noon i would think about what what the plan is for this weekend and going forward that is Carrie. I'm Randy. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to talk some Blues hockey. As they get ready to take on the Devils, the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We are efforting John Kelly in New Jersey. Haven't been able to track him down yet. The Blues at New Jersey tonight, 5 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN with Alex Ferrario and Joe Vitale. And then the faceoff is at 6 o'clock. And, Kerry, you have been calling for more ice time, more minutes for Callie Rosen, who quickly yeah. has become your favorite defenseman. You're talking to the experts. What are you hearing? Well, I, I reached out to our good friend, Jamie Rivers, who obviously knows a little bit more hockey than I do. And I asked him, I said, Jamie, why isn't Callie getting those minutes? Why isn't he getting that time? And he said, you know, he's a he's a he's probably a 13, a, a 13 to 15 minute type of guy. Um, when you play more, you get to play, you have to play against the, the better lines and, and the better players. And that may not be a, a matchup that is as good for him as the lineups that he's playing against. So you, you play against first-line guys and second-line guys when you're getting more minutes. Him him right now is playing against third- and fourth-line guys. So that, that bodes well for his success. Um, but as I was saying to you, sometimes, and I've been in this situation as a player, when you are cut by multiple teams and you are you know scratching and clawing just to find your way into the league – Sometimes people believe that's who you are. When I met Mike Tomlin, I, I was there in Pittsburgh, uh, Bill Cowers last year in 06. When Mike Tomlin came in 07, every player met with him. And Mike Tomlin told me flat out, out of his mouth, if you make the team, you're going to be a 52nd, 53rd type of guy. I said, Coach, am I going to get an opportunity, a fair opportunity to compete for a starting spot? For a spot, not even a starting spot, a spot. He said, yeah, I mean, no, a fair opportunity, like, all things are equal. No no preconceived notions about anyone. He said, Yeah, I can do that. Cool. I was the starting fullback by the start of by the start of two thousand seven because I knew what I could do. And I think when I look at Callie Rosen, it's similar to that. He's been kind of put in this box as this is who you are. We know you you you've been struggling to stay attached to a team. And when you get put in that that ideology in someone's mind that you can only do these things, that's where you are and that's where they keep you. But the more opportunities you get the more chances you get to show people, hey, I can actually do Mm -hmm. more than what you're allowing me to do. And if you're the Blues, and four years ago you had Jake Allen and Chad Johnson and Billy Huso, and then this guy that you loaned out to Boston, you didn't think anything of him. He was playing for somebody else's farm team. (laughs) But then he comes in, and you give him the opportunity, and he wins a Stanley Cup for you. If you're that organization... I would think you'd be more inclined to provide opportunities for people that you didn't think much of, especially because you have the chance now to give him the chance to play, right? It's not like the rest of your defense is lighting up the world. That's the part that that, that is getting to me. It would be one thing if guys were playing so stellar that you say, I, I understand why you aren't getting those minutes, but... When guys are we, – we sit on this text line every single day and we hear Colton Pareko is not this, he's not doing this. Letty, oh, my God, what are you doing? Mikolo, he's moving. So all of these are defensemen. You've lost a few defensemen, and then you got a kid who – and I won't say a kid because he's a grown man. He's been in the league for a few years. He, you got a guy who, when he gets the puck, he shoots it. He doesn't wait. He gets opportunities. He scored three goals in, uh, in three games at, at one point. 
you have to allow him to have an opportunity to fail. And I think that opportunity will come eventually if this team starts to be under 500. If they're five to eight games under 500 and you feel like, oh, okay, the playoffs are not in reach, right now you still have the mindset that, you know, we still could possibly make it there. But if you are five, eight, ten games under 500, mm-hmm. well, hell, everybody gets a shot. We need to see what we have for next year because uh, this team is going to be drastically different than it is right now. And Kerry. There are so many examples, aren't there? Kurt Warner was the exact same age as Callie Rosen is now when he got an opportunity to start mm-hmm. only because Trent Green got hurt. Right. And nobody wanted to give Kurt Warner an opportunity. We all know the story, and he became a Hall of Famer. Matt Carpenter came up to the Cardinals as a 26-year-old. He came up as a full-time player when he was 26 in 2012. The Cardinals looked at him as a utility guy. He'll play some second. He'll play some third. Uh, We'll we'll get him some at-bats, but he's not going to be great. Well, he winds up sixth in Rookie of the Year voting, and then the next year winds up fourth in the MVP voting just because the Cardinals gave him the opportunity to be what he was capable of being. And I think that's something in sports, and especially when you have high draft choices or high-priced players. If you're an organization, you're – disinclined to provide opportunities to those guys oh, because yeah. you got to you got to play the contract, <laughs> right? Or the or the draft choice. Well, you hit the nail on the head. If the Blues are not going to be serious contenders for a Stanley Cup, why not find out what you have? You have to. And and sometimes here's the thing, Randy, they don't always people don't always hit on draft picks. I in 2007, uh again, we drafted a kid out of Rutgers and we had a they, a, a guard out of Rutgers and then we brought in another guard out of Rutgers undrafted. Mm-hmm. The fifth round drafted guy didn't make the team. The undrafted kid, Darnell Stapleton, was the starting right guard for us, left guard for us throughout that season. And so you do, sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss, but it's just about finding, getting guys those opportunities. And just because someone is drafted at a, at a certain level doesn't necessarily always mean that they're better than the guy that is not drafted or not had those same opportunities. For me... I would just like to see him get more time. And I, I think that will come. You still got a lot of seasons left. A lot of the season is left. Um, and so if if the Blues do start to falter and struggle more than they have recently, I think you'll see him more, with, with more time on the ice. I'm just looking to see because you kind of give me some PTSD when you bring up the 2007 NFL draft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you look uh, another, another Rutgers player got drafted in that draft. Yeah, oh, see, when you said Leonard. that, I was like, wait a second, hold on a minute. <laughs> Brian Leonard. I'm having yeah, PTSD yeah. here. Hey, listen. Leonard Leap. I remember there, Randy. There were a lot of fullbacks that were drafted in my in my <laughs> in my time, and I remember a lot of their names. And I remember, uh, you know, in my draft class or in 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 draft classes after me. And I I do remember, like, huh, how did he get drafted? Interesting. Hmm. We'll do a segment on this sometime. But let me tell you, because I want to know what the league does here. One time, I was told by somebody who owned pizza franchises here in St. Louis, that they were friends with Brian Leonard, who lived, was a neighbor of them. Brian Leonard said, I always have headaches. And they, you know, they tried to find out what was going on. They said, do you go to the trainer? Do you go to the doctor? Yeah, I I always have headaches. And so they invited him over to dinner. And he said, man, this is great to have a dinner. It's great to not to eat junk fast food all the time. (laughs) He was literally eating every meal at McDonald's or Pizza Hut. And he, so he had a headache all the time. It might not be great. Are you are you surprised that in 2007 an NFL team didn't have more education about nutrition for a player? Well, here's the thing. If you are an NFL player, you wake up, you go to work, you can eat breakfast at work, mm-hmm. you eat lunch at work, you can eat dinner at work, 
before you go home if you choose to. So for him to choose to eat McDonald's and, and Pizza Hut every single day was was a choice. I don't think the Rams were that advanced at that point. Well, then that's a problem. Lunch was there, <laughs> but I don't know that breakfast and dinner were there. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. That's not great. So it, eh, that makes sense. It makes, why it, it, it makes sense why they were struggling, too. Yeah. That makes sense why he had like a 100-yard game in like week six filling in for Steven Jackson and then never did anything after that. Yeah. <laughs> So that was the 2007, Adam Carricker, Brian Leonard, Jonathan Wade. Tennessee. Yep, third round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Dustin Fry, guard oh. from Clemson. Ken Shackelford, uh, guard from Georgia who never played in the league. Keith Jackson, uh, defensive the, tackle from Arca- uh, Arkansas, okay, never wrong, played in the league. Wrong, Different wrong, 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 wrong Keith Jackson. Wrong Keith Jackson. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's still, he's a few there. years later. And then our buddy Derek Stanley was a seventh round. He was. He was the best pick he in the was. draft. He was. Out of all, all those guys, he was. Yep, Wisconsin Whitewater. That's my guy. So, yeah. He's probably tuned in right now. Hey, Derek, how you doing? <laughs> you, know what the, you, know what the, you know what the crazy part is? That draft is easier to look at than 2006. Oh, come on. Joe Kloffenstein, John Alston. So 2006 was the worst draft in the history of any team in the history of the it league. Ever? It, ever? It, it, it's it's so bad. You Dominic trade Bird. down from 11 oh. to 15, okay? God. Uh, you take Ty Hill at 15. You trade it out so Denver could get Jay Cutler. Okay. All right. Ty Hill, the DB from? From Clemson. Clemson. So Trying you traded get... the 11th pick. The 12th pick in that draft was Haloti Nada. Getting shooting oh. pains in my side. Took, took Joe Kloffenstein in the second round, tight end out of Colorado. Who uh, didn't play much in the NFL? How much? How many games did Joe, Joey G I'm get? Guessing in? thirty something. Uh, he actually played in forty nine, but started thirty eight. Went to Buffalo after here. After that, the Rams took Claude Roden, defensive tackle out of LSU, who had some. Well, let's just say he enjoyed the Acapulco Black now and then. <laughs> uh, John Alston, linebacker out of Stanford, didn't make it out of training camp. Third oh. round pick, didn't make it out of training camp. Dominique Bird, another tight end. So you took a tight end in the second. Now you take another tight end Why in the third. Why would you do that? Because you're the Rams. Uh, he's Brandon out of Manimal, USC. You know, wasn't getting it done. Uh, the next year, we're doing a conference call with Matt Leinard, who played with Dominique Bird at USC. Uh-huh. Jim Thomas asks Matt Leinard, what are your strongest memories of Dominique Bird? He said, I remember him sleeping in beatings all the time. <laughs> and that was Matt Leinard's fondest memory of Dominique uh-huh. Bird. Then Victor Adeanju, who was wound up being the best pick in that draft, uh, fourth rounder out of Indiana defensive end. These are just bad memories. Marcus Hagens, Tim McGargle, Mark Setterstrom. Tony Tim McGargle out of Northwestern. I remember he, him. He was a tackling machine in college. Yeah, I remember him. I mean, I legitimately. He's a coach now. Is he? I legitimately remember being. There was a point in my Rams fandom where, where I was excited about the season that Victor Adianju was having. That's how low it yeah, had gotten. Yeah, that's how bad it got. That, it was bad. So they, that, was a, they, that, was a, that was a three year run of some. I mean, even yeah. 05 wasn't uh, spectacular. No, it wasn't great. But 06 might be the worst draft in the history of the league. It was really bad. Uh, Carrie, Randy, Matthew, coming up, we've got the fight for you, but we need a fighter to have a fight. And that means you need to text in the word fight to 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO! And if you text in the word fight right now, Matthew might pick you to be on the fight. And by the way, just save that number in your phone. Put it at 101 ESPN. It'll be the first thing that pops up because we know you text us first every day. It's it's 101 ESPN and then your significant other, right? So we know how it works. Right? Okay. So the fight is next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Kelly. 
to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And we go to the celebrity line, and that's at our contestant, Jimmy. Jimmy, how are you doing this morning? CD, what's cracking, man? How I'm, you doing? I'm doing well. I love your energy. <laughs> I love it. Oh, hell you, yeah, man. You sound, hey, like gotta... you, you sound like you're ready to roll. Oh, hey, man. Got to take him down. It's been a good start to the year. You know, you got to... You got to get after Megamind sometimes. Keep him in check. You know what I mean? I'm with you. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Here we go, Jimmy. Congrats, <laughs> to, all... <laughs> Congrats to all of the Hall of Fame finalists, including first-timer Dwight Freeney. Where did the three-time All-Pro play his college ball? Was it Syracuse, Clemson, or Pittsburgh? Huh. Well, given that this one's really easy, obviously, um, let's go with uh, Pittsburgh. All right, happy birthday to two-time Pro Bowler or three-time Pro Bowler and two-time Super Bowl winner Mercury Morris. Morris was one of two players on the perfect 72 Dolphins to top 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Who was the other? Was that Paul Worldfield, Jim Kick, or Larry Zonka? Um, my three favorite players. Uh, let's go with Zonka. All right, Jimmy. The last time an MLB pitcher had 40 starts was 1987. The last time a Cardinals pitcher did it was 1911. Which 80s pitcher is tied for the closest as a Cardinal to come to that number since with 38 starts in a single season? With 38 starts, let me yeah, with 38 starts in a single season. <laughs> was it Danny Cox, John Tudor, or Joaquin Andahar? Um, I went to college with Andahar, but I went to a baseball camp with Danny Cox, so just given that, I got to go with Danny Cox. Didn't he, like, fly in the middle of the night and try to kill somebody or something one time? I don't know. <laughs> I love the rationale here from Jimmy. That's fantastic. All right. The namesake of the Mets' famous Shea Stadium, William Shea, attempted to add a third league to Major League Baseball in 1960, going so far as to announce 10 cities and hiring Branch Rickey as league commissioner. What was the name of this proposed league? Was it the United League, the Confederation League, or the Continental League? Uh, yo, I remember this too, man. That was the year uh, I graduated high school that week. Um, let's see here. What was? Uh, let's go. Let's go United League. That sounds good. I don't know. <laughs> Federation uh, League, that's a little messed up. I don't know, man. But it wasn't <laughs> I love Jimmy's energy. We're going to double check our scores here, and we're going to bring in Randy Carricker. Jimmy, how do you feel? I mean, I know how you feel. I can tell oh, through I, your energy. How do you feel about the fight? Just crushing it. I mean, you know, just like, you know. <laughs> you cruising through this? You, do, you know. All right, well... No, I'm mind is... smoked, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, if nothing else, you have been uh, very entertaining for us this, this morning, and, and we greatly appreciate that. Randy, <laughs> say hello to Jimmy. Jimmy, good morning. How you doing? Good, Randy. How you doing? Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Oh, yeah. Big fan. You ready? Appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Congrats to all of the Hall of Fame finalists, including first-timer Dwight Freeney. Mm-hmm. Where did the three-time All-Pro play his college ball? I believe he played at Syracuse, if I'm not mistaken. Happy birthday to three-time Pro Bowler and two-time Super Bowl champion Mercury Morris. Merc. Mer- Morris was one of two players on the perfect 72 Dolphins to top 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Who was the other? Well, Larry Zonka was a 1,000-yard rusher, right? So it had to be him. 2,000-yard two ru- rushers in the backfield. All right, Randy. 
The last time an MLB pitcher had 40 starts was 1987. The last time a Cardinals pitcher did it was 1911. Which 80s pitcher is tied for the closest a Cardinal has come since then with 38 starts in a single season? It's got to be John Tudor in 85, I would think. All right. In the namesake of the Mets' famous Shea Stadium, William Shea attempted to add a third league to Major League Baseball in 1960, going so far as to announce 10 cities and hiring Branch Rickey as league commissioner. What was the name of that proposed league? I don't even know, so I'm going to do the lifeline. Was it the United League, the Confederation League, or the Continental League? I'm going to go with... uh, I think I'll go with Continental League. Just for... So, I don't think Confederated League even then would have flown. And then what was the first one? (laughs) United. Yeah, United... Yeah. Just Continental seems like a better idea. I'm going to go with that. (laughs) On this Thursday, was Jimmy able to top Megamind? He had the energy, he had the confidence, but did he have the answers? Or did Megamind roll on through this week with another win? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Jimmy. It was a tough one today. You got one. Randy Carricker did get three. So it was a tough fight, but you did a, you did a good job entertaining us throughout it all. So thank you very much for that one. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. No problem, Jimmy. You can stay on here as we go through all those answers. Congrats to all the Hall of Fame finalists, including first-timer Dwight Freeney. The three-time All-Pro did, in fact, play his ball at Syracuse, which I have to imagine over the last 50 years has not does not have a ton of NFL Hall of Famers. No, not really. I'm sure there's guys. I, I, I would guess though, if I had to hedge it, like there's like a bunch from like the 40s and 50s, and like Jim the early, Brown, the early Brown. obviously a Jim Brown and, the, and a player. couple of the early ones. Donovan McNabb was McNabb, pretty yeah. good Syracuse not, player, not, but not a not Hall of Famer. Right no. Uh, happy birthday to two, three-time Pro Bowler and two-time Super Bowl champion Mercury Morris. Morris was one of two players on the perfect 72 Dolphins atop a thousand yards, and of course it was his backfield mate Larry Zonka who also had a thousand yards rushing. Actually, outrushed him in that season. The last time an MLB pitcher had 40 starts was 1987. The last time a Cardinals pitcher did it was 1911. Which 80s pitcher is tied for the closest a Cardinal has come since then with 38 starts? You got the year right. You got the pitcher wrong, Randy Carricker. It was Joaquin Andohar Mm. who started 38 that game. Uh, John Tudor started 36 and Danny Cox started 35. How about that? That's three of like 12 total 35 plus start seasons in the Cardinals like last 100 years. It's obviously absolutely incredible how they taxed the pitchers in in, in 85. It worked though. And the namesake of the Mets famous Shea Stadium William Shea attempted to add a third league to Major League Baseball. They announced 10 cities. They hired Brand Shirky as the league commissioner. It was going to be called the Continental League. Randy got that one right. But the uh, other leagues, which were had more autonomy back then, were not mm-hmm. beholden to the commissioner's office, turned around and literally started putting National League and American League teams in the cities the Continental League was playing out. Houston, uh, Minneapolis, and then how they, they completely broke it down, they gave uh, New York the... The Mets. The Mets and the Continental League fell apart. So a 3-1 win for Randy. Thank you again, Jimmy, for joining the show and joining the fight today. Hope he's gone. Robert Thomas will join us from New Jersey next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas, score! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. What a goal! 
forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, the Blues at New Jersey tonight. Pre-game at 5, face-off at 6 here on 101 ESPN. And joining us on said Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is Blues forward Robert Thomas, who joins us every single week. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing well, guys. How are you? Everything's good. So when you're uh, playing a game in New Jersey, do you actually stay in New Jersey, or are you guys in New York? Yeah, we're actually uh, staying in New Jersey. Uh I think it's my second time doing it over the years. So, um, yeah, it's pretty nice. Do you get a chance to go to New York, or do you all just stay on that side of the river and, and not venture across? Um, usually usually we do, but, you know, yesterday was a little tough travel day, so a lot of us just stayed on this side. Got you. I, I was wondering, uh, Robert, with uh, the injuries to, to Vladdy and, and, and O'Reilly, do you feel like you there's a little bit more added pressure to you to, to perform and do things that kind of make up for the slack that you're going to be missing with those guys out? Yeah, I think uh, I think there's added pressure on everyone. Um, you know, obviously those are two big pieces of the team, and, um, you know, you hate losing them. But at the same time, we got a lot of guys that are going to get new opportunities and new challenges. And I think it's exciting for all of us, um, you know, to really step up and, and, you know, take care of business while they're out. You have been the man throughout your junior career, uh, all the way up until the time you got here. So you, you know what it's like to lead a team and, and kind of be the bell cow. How different is it, though, in the NHL when you're playing with the best in the world and now you're with, with at least Ryan out at center and not like you haven't been the bell cow this year, but now with him not around, you're the guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is definitely different. Uh, I mean, Schenner was unbelievable last game. He stepped up huge and, um, you know, really took charge last game. So uh, I think it, it's definitely different not having him out there. Um, you know, he's obviously our leader and, um, you know, been a big part of the team. So uh, it's different. But like I said earlier, it's new opportunities for a lot of guys and new challenges. And I think our team really rallied around that last game. And, uh, you know, it was such a great team win. It was, and there's so much that goes into it, but I have to ask you first about the three-on-three, the first two minutes of the three-on-three. Have you been as gassed as in, in an NHL game as you were then? Yeah, no, I was a little tired there. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was pretty excited when I jumped over the board on the bed. Um, uh, yeah, no, three-on-three, you can get, if you don't win that face-off, uh, you can just get stuck out there for, for a long time, especially when a team's trying to get possession and tire you down. So, um, yeah, I was trying to save my energy as much as I can and kind of used it all at the end to get off the ice. So uh, that, was, that, was, uh, that was relieving. And the other thing is for me, because we sit here as fans and we're enthralled by a 6-5 shootout game with all the action, especially in the three-on-three, but you can't pay attention to what's going on from a fan's perspective. You you have a job to do. But when you're in the midst of a game like that, do you realize how exciting it is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, even just as players, it's exciting. Uh, the back-and-forth action, obviously you don't don't want to be giving up that many scoring chances against and kind of hanging your goalie out to dry but uh no it was an exciting game and um like I said it was it was such a good team win that uh you know our whole team rallied together for that one and um you know just just a great feeling in the room that's for sure 
Hey, hey, Robert, you mentioned Shin a minute ago. He had 11 shots on goal versus the Blackhawks and didn't score one. Do you all give him a little crap for that when, when that happens? Do you say, hey, man, okay, you couldn't get one in? You took all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we had some good chirps about that. So, um, yeah, it's always funny. Uh, you know, I, I think it was during the middle of the game or something, uh, one of the TV timeouts, you looked up and he had 10 shots and we were like, did they screw that up or is that just your number twice? Um, so it was, it was pretty funny. Robert Thomas, Blues Forward, with us on 101 ESPN. Uh, you've got a stretch here against Eastern Conference teams. Obviously, you see a lot of the West. Is there a difference for you between the two conferences when you compete against them? Yeah, the style of play is completely different in my mind. Um, you know, the East, they, they got a ton of speed, skill. They play, you know, fast, fast skill games, and the West is more physical and, and kind of shut down defensively, so. It's pretty cool to see the different style of plays and um, definitely brings you a new challenge every time you play against the East. Is is one harder than the other, the, the speed or the uh, physical? Which one is harder to, to play against as a team? I wouldn't say they're harder. I'd just say it's different. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, if you don't adapt to the, the style of play, then you're just going to be caught behind. So I think it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see just the difference in uh, the way the game's played and, and the styles. Hey, Robert, when you were a rookie, the Blues got off to a bad start. The other day, when Doug Armstrong announced the injuries to Vladdy and O'Reilly, and the Blues brought up a couple of young players, he said, down in Springfield, they're playing such a structured team game, and it's really difficult for a young player to join the team now because they aren't playing a really structured team game, and it puts a lot of stress on the young players. Can you describe that stress from your perspective, how uh, that happens, and what it causes you to to do in terms of changing your game. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is you want you want to do everything right and you're you're trying to do everything right and um you know during a game obviously everything's not going to go right. It's not going to go according to plan and you just got to be able to react, react out there. So that was the biggest challenge I find is you you try so hard to do absolutely everything perfect and you don't just play and enjoy the game and have fun out there and um, you know, you're out there for a reason. Uh, you got a ton of skill. You play. You play smart, and uh, I think that's the that's the biggest thing for me. Hey, I asked Bernie this yesterday, so I'm going to ask you. I, when I watch football and I see a running back do something spectacular, I kind of jump out of my seat and give it like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Were you? Did you all jump out of your seat at, uh, when you saw the move by Pavel Buchnevich to score that goal in the shootout the other night? Oh yeah, that was a great <laughs> move. Uh, we couldn't we couldn't really tell from our angle if it was in. Um, until we heard kind of the crowd start booing. So uh, it was an uh, unbelievable move, especially with the pressure of the game on the line. And, um, you know, it was really awesome, that's for sure. Is there, a, is there a, 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 a maybe a fear level of not trying something that you may try in practice, or, or do you just go for it at times and say, we, we're going to see what we can do in those moments, the shootout moments? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you just go for it. Um, I mean, shootouts are, are so 50-50. Uh, I mean, they're, they're tough to win. and uh, So I think you just go for it and give it your best move and, and hope it works out. Do you have a go-to, or do you change things up on the shootout every time you take one of those shots? Uh, I'm still working on it. That was my first shootout <laughs> goal, so uh, I was pretty happy with that. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see the next one. I, you kind of just go, go with the flow of it. I don't think some of us have too much of a plan going into it. All right, Robert. Michelle Smallman's uh, family is from New Jersey, and she's back up east now. She's doing stuff for Big ESPN now. But she 
insists that the best bagels in America are in New Jersey because of the water. So if you are a bagel <laughs> guy and you get out today, uh, try one of the New Jersey bagels. And then will you have, first of all, are you a bagel guy? Yeah, yeah, I definitely like a good bagel. Okay, so try one of those Jersey bagels, and then we'll ask for a, a report on it next week. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, go get them tonight against the Devils. Have fun up in Montreal, too. That's always fun. Hockey night in Canada in uh, in Montreal. Yeah, absolutely. Love, love hockey night in Canada. Good. So have a great time with that, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. See you later. That is Blues Forward, Robert Thomas, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Yeah, the Blues at the Canadians on Saturday. And that's a 5 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN, 6 o'clock. And uh, Hockey Night in Canada, eh? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like it. So he'll he'll love that. What a great guy. Good to have Robert Thomas with us every week here on 101 ESPN. All right. Next up, Monday night, you've got the national championship game between the Georgia Bulldogs and the TCU Horned Frogs. How does Georgia finish off an unbeaten season? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Monday night here on 101 ESPN, the national championship game between Georgia and TCU. And we'll have that for you right after the fast lane, 6 o'clock with the pregame before Georgia and TCU. And then we'll have the play-by-play for you. It's 9.02 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And, Kerry, when I, I try to preview this, there's two things that come to mind. Number one, TCU always winds up being better than I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. But the other part of this is, is there's a reason that Georgia is undefeated. And it's because they're really good and they have a lot of good players. And as much respect as I have for TCU, I don't see how they're going to be able to score significant points on the Georgia defense. Yeah, we uh, we talked about how, how they were number two uh, in points allowed per game. Number two behind the Illini, who were number one. Right. Uh, but they were number two in the country, in the 2. nation. 2.9 yards per rush is they, what they allow. They are outstanding in, in playing defense. But we saw what Ohio State was able to do against them. They were able to expose them to the tune of of. of 348 yards passing with C.J. Stroud and four touchdowns. I think if there's a weakness uh, on this defense, it would be that the uh, Ringo, their defensive back, has has had kind of an up and down season. He had the the game ceiling interception last year to, mm-hmm. to to win the championship game, but he's kind of been up and down this season. And so, if you are a TCU team, obviously you have to run the football because that's what you you've done well. They allow Dugan to run. They had Demarcado running, but. Uh, they're going to have to find a way to pass the ball against this Georgia defense. And Georgia is, is you know, the defense is who they are, but their offense has so many weapons. And, and, and Stetson Bennett being the quarterback that everyone seems to just try to figure out how to replace him. Why isn't he this? Why isn't he that? He was a Heisman finalist. He is a national championship, a natu- national champion with an opportunity to become a two-time national champion. And you look at this offense and see what they're able to do. They are spectacular up front moving people, moving men against their will, and really allowing their offense to, to get the job done and have one of the best tight ends in Brock Bowers in the country, uh, who is a, a, a matchup nightmare for most defenses. So how does Georgia go about winning this game? Because 
the TCU defense, we saw it was extremely physical against Michigan, and that they'll be as physical against Georgia. The thing with Georgia that I see as a difference, and taking nothing away from the the depth of Michigan because they they have a very deep team, but they had lost their number one running back. It just seems to me that Georgia will have a better opportunity to pound on and try to get the the TCU defense to submit than Michigan did. And, and Michigan's offensive line was the best in football, but in college football, but they didn't have the multiple weapons in the backfield. Well, I think the the TCU defense, they run a 3-3-5, which is, uh, if you've ever played, it's one of the most annoying defenses that you could go up against because it's hard to tell where their strengths are, uh, where, their, where their, you know, strength of their defense is, and it's hard to, to you think you can run right at them because they have a couple of gaps, and, and those guys, those backers are stacked behind the defensive linemen, but there's always an extra person. It's really built to prevent you from running the football against you, so you going to have to take some chances outside versus their DBs and, and try to find some windows behind those linebackers. So if if if, if um, Georgia wants to win the game, you're going to Brock Bowers is going to be a, a a critical point for them to find ways to get him open. Whether it's behind those linebackers with with dig routes or, or deep sitting routes behind them, play action passes, things that 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 force that that front that wants to play the run uh, to be able to. Suck up, and then now you can hit them deep with, with a play-action pass. And by the way, against a 3-3-5, Georgia runs a really unusual college offense because they have two tight ends, Bowers yeah. and Washington. And we that, don't know if he's if he's going to play. He's at, he, he left the game with an ankle right, injury, right. and we don't know if he's going to be able to play or not. But if he can go those two combined, it seems to me would present matchup nightmares yes. against yes. that style of defense. It, it should, and like I said, it should allow you to have an extra uh, body in the box to be able to block those guys. And also, as I said, be able to get behind those linebackers uh, to make some big plays downfield. Those are the things that I think Georgia's going to need to do. They we already assume they have the more talented team mm-hmm. because they just they have had the more talented team than everyone they played against. But the thing that, that continues to stick out in my mind is they went to a final kick versus Georgia. TCU beat the beat beat the team that that just beat Georgia a few weeks prior in Michigan. So when you're looking at, at how it all weighs out, I think Georgia is the better team, but I'm not sure that that it's going to be a, a cakewalk like a lot of people think. I think Georgia's going to have to grind this game out. I still think they come out as, as victors, but I don't think it's going to be a game where they're just blowing TCU out of the water. A couple of things. Number one, last year Georgia had five first-round defensive players taken yeah. in the NFL draft. A lot of people thought that Jalen Carter was the best player on that <laughs> defense, and he's still there, and he's kind of an unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. And like you said... I think TCU is going to have to get some big plays, too. And they're going to have to get the ball into the hands of Quentin Johnson, who's a big receiver, 6'4", right. 215. To me, the the way for TCU to have a chance is for Johnson to beat Ringo. So here's what, where I think Georgia wins this game. I, I think they win it by getting pressure on Duggan and Ringo. And Ringo's going to be a key here mm-hmm. because if he can have a representative game against Quentin Johnson, I think it'll be really hard especially missing TCU missing their their number 1 running back. I think it'll be really hard for TCU to score enough points to stay with Georgia. It's going to be important for Georgia to be sound defensively gap sound with the RPOs that they run that TCU runs with the gap uh the the, the zone running game that they run. If you step out of your 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 gap half a half a yard, 2 yards out of your gap, you create a seam for the running backs and the quarterbacks to take off. So you're going to have to be sound defensively to make sure that you are stopping this this Georgia um, um, 
this TCU offense from from doing all of the things that they want to do. Isn't it interesting? By the way, Georgia, this is a a, a school that had Swift and they they had Todd Gurley and they've had so many good running Mitch backs. Up. Yeah, they 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 aren't really a running offense <laughs> no, anymore, are they? No, they they and that's the that's the interesting part to me where why people are so down on Stetson Bennett. I know you know it seems like maybe not as much this year, but over the last couple of years, he's just been that guy that that gets it done. And they don't have when you think about the running backs that they've had in the past, they don't seem to have that guy right now. Mm-hmm. But they they are winning games decisively, and they their defense plays well. Stetson Bennett finds ways to get the ball to their receivers, and if he if they continue to do that, do that, uh, it could be it could be rough for TCU. But I just think TCU offensively has so much power um, that this Georgia defense is going to be tested in this game. See, and I, I think differently. I think Georgia, TCU has been in every game, all the one score games that they won over the course of the year, including in the in the semifinals. I'm thinking that as we get to the last five minutes of this game, that it won't be a one score game. That really? I, I think Georgia will be up by ten. Okay, I I I think around eight 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 points seven. I think it'll be a one possession game uh, at the final at, at the end of it. I don't think it'll be a two possession game that that the final score is is uh, shown. But I, I think TCU will be in the game, and and I do think Georgia comes out and wins it though. Do you root for the underdog, or do you have a interest I, at all? I generally do, um, but generally just rooting for a good game. You know, a sound game where no referees are are mm-hmm. impactful, making decisions that impact games, and no turnovers. I I, I, I know turnovers are, but it just becomes a messy game, not a not a not a big ton, turnover game. You know, opportunistic turnovers when they come about, but you know if they're they're turning the ball over left and right, and it's not anything being done that that turns to a boring game for me. And Georgia is a twelve and a half point favorite. Yep, but I would take TCU to cover that. I do too. I, I would as well if I were betting. Yeah, someone else's money. Right. <laughs> Handle sportsbook. Not my own. <laughs> First bet, man. I think the over is looking pretty good. Was it six two and a half? I think. I don't, you, do you, you like know, that over? I like that over actually. Seems like the way lot. things went in the, in the semifinals. Well, you probably like right. That over. <laughs> seems like it might be ninety you're, points. You're telling me it's. it's I mean, six two and a half, thirty three to thirty gets me there. Huh? That I, I think. I think both these teams playing in the thirties is not that crazy. Probably right, especially if there's like, especially if you have a big, th- all you need is one big quarter in the third, second or third, I think, and that's both these teams. It's kind of their mo is they, they break out in those moments. That is today's big thing here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some Cardinal baseball with our friend, one of the nicest guys in the world, Polo Asensio, Cardinal Spanish language broadcaster. Is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And on Sunday night, January 15th, at the Missouri Athletic Club, the baseball writers are going to resume their annual dinner because of the pandemic. We haven't had it for the last couple of years, but it's back at the MAC this year. You can get tickets. Just hop on Twitter, and I have a link at Randy Carricker on Twitter. And if you just go to St. Louis BBWAA, you can get the link there to purchase tickets. And among those that will be honored as... 
a Good Guy Award winner, along with his broadcast partner, Benji Molina, is our great friend Polo Asensio, who joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Polo, you are a great guy. Good morning. How are you doing? Great. Wow. So I went from good guy to great guy. Randy, I'd rather be the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? Good morning. <laughs> buenos dias. Buenos dias, Randy. Buenos dias, Kerry. Buenos dias, San Luis. I hope everybody's having a fantastic new year. And if it's been rough so far, don't worry about it. We have about 360 more days to fix it. So. <laughs> <laughs> buenos dias. Buenos dias. Uh, Paulo, I, I wanted to know, what are your thoughts of this Cardinals team? Uh, and do you think that they need to make a move for anything else, pitching or, or another position player? Or, or do you think that they're set with what they have right now going into spring training? You know, I've learned, I've learned over the last, what, six, seven years that Mo, he, uh, seriously, I've learned to trust Mo. Like, I hope he's not listening to things that I didn't trust him before. Then I guess he's going to say, well, before he was working another day with the Dodgers, I don't care about that. <laughs> but I, I have learned to trust him, to trust uh, Randy, to trust uh, uh, Moises Rodriguez, to trust all of those guys. They know what they are doing. Yes, we want, you know, we, I mean, we, we got one. We got the best catcher available, and we got one of the best catchers, period. Wilson Contreras. I mean, like I always say, he's not going to replace Yadi. Nobody's ever going to replace Yadi, but he is going to do a great job next season and over the last, over the few uh, next years that he's going to be with San Luis. I think that was, with all the respect, that was an upgrade over the last couple of seasons because we all, you know, we saw Yadi being hurt, you know, uh, gone away for like a month or so. But uh, Wilson, I think he's going to do a tremendous job next season. Now he needs to figure out the pitching, and we know that that's not always the, the, the easiest part of, of catching, but he will do a great job. You ask if I think they will get somebody else. I think so. I don't think they're going to get anybody big. Then again, there's a lot of good, a good names and good players still available. There's a lot of veterans still available, and I believe there's going to be a couple guys perhaps coming in, helping a VH coming from the bench, the pitching side. Yeah. They're so we have learned over the last few years. And if you have paid attention over the last hundred years in baseball, yes, I'm talking to you, Randy character. Um, <laughs> there's never, there's never enough pitching. There is never enough pitching. And, and one thing that I, that I liked, I think it was a, it was an article with, uh, from uh, Derek Gould. He asked uh, Mo about, you know, the, the market and all this thing. And he said something, yeah, when, when we look, we don't look at what's available right now. We look at we might be needing next year or two years from now, and that's why it's good to get those long contracts. Now, we know the Cardinals don't give those huge, like, like long contracts. But um, to, to answer the question, I think they are going to get something else. Do I think they're going to get something splashy? I don't think so. Number one, because all the splash is gone pretty much. All the Correas, the Swanson, the, you know, the big old uh, standard Bogarts, and now Divers is going nowhere. He's staying in, 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 in Boston. But I, I do trust, like I said, I, I trust the Mo. I do trust the Mo. I, I trust the guy, and, and um, I think it's going to be a great season. It's going to be a really good season. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot different than last season because now this time this Cardinal team needs, needs to perform because the distraction, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, 
of having Albert and having Yadi in, in their last season, the, the romanticism, lo romantico de tener a esos dos veteranos, the have to, those two veterans retiring, is not there anymore. So the fans are not going to be just satisfied. Okay, you know what? Yeah, this season, let's go say bye to the two heroes. Yes, you know, one of our other heroes is leaving, uh, Adam Wainwright. But it's going to be a little different. And, and again, I'm, I'm guessing you can, you can sense that I'm very excited to come back to San Luis and do another season of Cardinals baseball. And, and it's going to be fun. I have never tried in my life to roll an L. I'm going to try it for the first time on the air here. No, I, I, I got to work. I can I can do romantico, but I need to work oh, on lo, lo, lo romantico. Lo romantico. Hey, Randy. Randy. Randy Carraker. Come on now. Hey, uh, Paul, the last time that we saw a completely healthy Jack Flaherty was Memorial Day of 2021. He was 8-1 and one at that point with a 2.90 ERA. It was the first time he'd really pitched because of the pandemic since that incredible second half of 2019. I'm one of those who believes that a healthy Jack Flaherty is a good Jack Flaherty and is a number one starter. I want to know where you come down on this. Do you have faith in him? Oh, my God. I love the kid. And I know he's been hurt. I've talked to him many, many times. We bonded. You know, also, you know, the, the dinner is coming, like you, like you mentioned, on the lead. But also the caravan and the warm-up is uh, this upcoming weekend, not, not tomorrow, but ne- next weekend. And I bonded with Jack Starley a couple of years ago in one of those caravans. And I got to learn a little bit more than people just see with him, his face, the way he walks, the way he talks, the way he uses Instagram to motivate himself and, you know, make some people mad sometimes. But then again, sometimes, you know, like I said, being a bad guy doesn't mean that you hate everybody. It means that you do something and people, ah, I hate that guy for this. Oh, why don't you shut up and go to work? Well, Jack is not going to shut up. He is going to work. He works a lot. I love it. I I love when he is healthy. He is one of the best, like you just said, a full season, and, and we know this, we saw that the last time he was completely healthy, he was on his way to be in the All-Star game, to be in the science uh, 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 conversation, and perhaps even MVP. He was having a fantastic season before he got hurt here in L.A., and I think it was, what, 2019 or something like that. And, and that, that guy has it. He has it, and I really hope for, for him for the Cardinals and for the fans that this is, this is the season where Jack starts to see, I was not lying. I am a good guy. Sadly, I believe this is the last, this is the last season. This is the last season under Cardinals control. And then, you know, he's going to be a free agent. That's what I believe that's, that's the case. Hopefully I'm wrong, but if that's the case that he has a great season, then, you know, you know what comes next, a big paycheck and, and let's see who gives it to him. I, I trust in him. I have trust in him. I, I, I love what he brings. And let's see how they, how him and everybody else adjust to a new catcher. Like, you know, having Wilson Contreras in the division helps a lot, but now that you're going to have him behind the plate, he knows who you are. He knows how you pitch because he faces you quite often. But now let's see how he is behind the plate. Again, I think Jack is going to be fine, and I think Jack is going to give us a great season. Hey, Paulo, how do you uh, view this outfield situation um, with, with – uh, O'Neal and, and Carlson and, and Lars Newtbar, uh potentially Jordan Walker. What do you think about that that outfield? It, it's going to be interesting. In the last season, we went in with it. You know what? This is the outfield 
we have O'Neal, we have Bader, we have Carlson. All of a sudden, O'Neal gets hurt. Then Bader gets hurt. Then Bader gets traded. Then Carlson gets hurt. <laughs> and then Corey Dickerson, Lars Dudbard, Tommy Edmond, and everybody else, all the guys that came up. It's going to be interesting. And, and, and that's – I like that, carry. I like that – yeah, we think, we think right? Mm-hmm. O'Neal, uh, Carlson, Nudbar, maybe Walker, maybe somebody else, maybe Alec Burleson. That's spring training for me. There's a competition. I mean, if you ask me, I'm not – I don't know what the, what they think in the office. But it is always good to have some kind of competition mm-hmm. going into spring training. Yes, it's good to have set your, your nine or ten or whatever, 11 guys set for, for the season. But those guys are coming in. O'Neal is coming in with, with the, whatever they said, the chip on the shoulder, because he's been hurt. Carlson, he was hurt. He didn't have a great season. Lars Dudbar had a good season. He's an exciting electric player. But he knows that he needs to do something to establish himself. So you have those three guys. And like I said, you have Burleson and you mentioned Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker, I saw him live last season. We went to uh, uh, Springfield for a day to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month uh, in Double A Springfield. And he hit a home run. <laughs> I don't think that ball landed yet. <laughs> like for real. It was, a, it was a shot to center field. And I was not paying attention, right, when, when he was batting, and I should have. So, oh, he's hitting. Okay, I want to I I see what he's doing. But we were there with the fans, you know, autographs and all that good stuff. And all I heard was a big pop, Randy. It was, the, the pop was louder than you rolling your R's. <laughs> and when I, when I look, I'm like, what happened? Oh, he just hit a home run, and the ball was still going. Like, seriously, it was about a second or two later, and the ball was still going. I'm like, damn. And then you see him, and then it was funny because he was walking right next to Mason Wynn. And Jordan Walker is a tower, and Mason Wynn is a lot smaller. But when I saw him walking in, the confidence those guys have, those two guys have, I'm like, wow, the future is bright with St. Louis with those two kids. So don't sleep on I know that over the last year or so, people have been talking about him. But if you have not seen him in person, playing baseball and the day you see him and the way you see the way the ball just gets out of the bat, the way it's the sounds out of the bat, you're going to be okay. Okay. Oh, I see you, Jordan Walker. I see you. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, competition is always good. Do we want to have a set outfield from now? Yes, we do. And maybe in the head of the manager and the front office, they do have it. But again, competition is always good. And that is when we have seen some guys rise up, rise up to the competition, develop during spring training. And then look what happened like uh, uh, Brandon Donovan last season. Mm -hmm. At the end, he was a finalist for rookie of the year. And I believe if uh, I hope I'm not wrong, he got a gold glove, right? He did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Polo, last thing, right after Kerry started, you came into the studio one time with some of your famous guacamole. Absolutely delicious. And I told you, I'm not a guacamole guy, but I absolutely loved it. I need to know what your favorite thing that you made during the holiday season was. What was Polo's favorite dish or uh, item that you prepared? Okay. I make a lot of stuff, especially you know when I'm home. (laughs) I have one of those grills outside, you know, here in beautiful California, even though it's been raining. Randy, Carrie, people in San Luis. It's been raining for two days here in California, and everybody's freaking out. Oh, my God, bring out the generators. Oh, my God, buy the water. I'm like, 
Dude, you should go to San Luis for a week and that's rain. This is nothing. I go outside and wash my cars while it's raining outside. People are freaking out. Anyway, so my kids tell me, Dad, when you're here at home, we love it, we love it, we love it so much. I'm like, really? Well, show us some more. Can you room, Bianca? But she doesn't listen to me. Um, and they're like, I'm like, why do you say that? Because when you're here, we're always eating homemade food. Not that my wife doesn't cook, but no, she has a job. She has things to do. And then we have four, four dogs. So I cook a lot on that grill, right? Well, I put it to good use. And this, if Ms. Michelle's mom is listening, um, and I think I talked to you about this, Randy, and you heard the story. I took her to St. Louis to eat tacos de birria. Birria tacos with, with cheese, like quesadillas with birria inside, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful dish. It's a taco, but not a taco that you used to. And by the way, Taco Bell is not Mexican food people. So my birria, quesa birria tacos, Randy, I made them, and trust me, when my father-in-law calls me to tell me, hey, I heard you make those tacos and you didn't invite me, I'm like, sorry, that's what you get from hanging with that guy that I don't like. That's why I don't invite you, because I'm not going to invite that guy that you don't like. But that's what I did. The birria tacos, Randy, they're delicious. Polo, next time you come in, I, I need you to bring one of those or, or two or or five. Or a however, recipe. Or yeah, well, I don't want the recipe. I want I, I want it already made. I'm I'm a little greedy and I don't have the patience. Uh, I do have one or one other question. Is there a particular Mexican restaurant that you you enjoy visiting when you're in St. Louis? Oh man, there's a few. There's there's a few. Um, uh, there's uh, obviously Cherokee Street is, is famous for that, right? There's a few around there. Basically, you can visit any Mexican restaurant on Cherokee Street and you're not going to fail. You're not going to miss because they are really, really good. Uh, there is one. I, I, I don't even know the area. I think it's around Creepcore. It's called Durango. Durango, they have really good tacos. That's where I took Michelle. Uh, that they have really good tacos. They have really good everything. And uh, Randy, Carrie, everybody listening, next time you go to a Mexican restaurant, it's not about the food. And no, it's not about the margaritas for you white people listening there get excited with the tequila stuff. Um, you ask, listen, listen closely, Randy, because I'm going to say it one time. Listen closely. You ask for a michelada. Okay? Michelada. Like, like Michelle? Ah, like Michelle? Mm-hmm. But then at the end, you put ala. Michelada. Michelada. That, yeah, that is a very refreshing drink. I mean, it, it has beer in it, so you you know, for those that one beer is good, and then you chill, and then drink more a lot of water <laughs> before you go. Or if good. somebody else is driving, then you can take two. <laughs> but that is a really good drink, and they have a really good one there. Randy, Carrie, I will take you to Durango. We are gonna get some tacos. We're gonna get a, you are gonna get a michelada. I'm gonna be driving. I'll drink some water or some horchata or. Chata, Jamaica, or something, and it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a Los Tres Compadres. Hey, there you go. Hey, hey. ESPN 101. We have a new show, Los Tres Compadres de la Mañana. Randy, Randy, Carrie, and Polo. <laughs> I am ready. You are such a good guy. We always love hearing from you, Polo, and uh, we're, we're excited about. I'm excited about seeing you at the Baseball Writers Dinner in a couple of weeks. Have safe travels here, and can't wait to see you. Hey, bring your Google map or your Google translator machine because at my speech, if they allow me to talk, it's going to be in Spanish, Randy. So watch out. Thank I you will. so much. And have a, have a great day. Happy New Year, St. Louis. See you next week at the caravan. 
and at the warm-up and on Sunday at the dinner. Sounds great, Polo. Take care. That's the great Polo Asensio. He'll be getting the Good Guy Award at the Baseball Writers' Dinner on January 15th. Also on hand that night will be Paul Goldschmidt, the National League MVP, Nolan Arenado, uh, Brendan Donovan is going to be there, Ryan Helsley, Miles Michaelis, Ali Marmol, Mike Shannon is going to be honored that night, along with Rick Hummel. And you can get tickets for the January 15th Baseball Writers' Dinner at St. Louis BBWAA.com, St. Louis BBWAA.com, or you can just go to my Twitter page and just follow that link to get tickets for the writer's dinner. Coming up, it's Rock and Roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right, it is time to rock and roll with Matthew Rocchio. What do you got for us? I wanted to bring up a... uh, That that helps. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to bring up a story. I'm so excited. I wanted to bring up a story that I I texted with Carrie yesterday about, but uh, but that's small and we can push that to another day. But I'm going to talk about the big thing everyone was talking about yesterday, and that was... Some potential consternation and some fallout with what I think some people might call the first family of U.S. soccer. As if you saw this yesterday, there was a report that first hit, and the opening report was that Claudio Reina, the father and, uh, frankly, U.S. United States men's national team legend, Claudio Reina and father of Gio Reina, apparently, the way it was phrased, had, had sent some message to the United States Soccer Federation front office saying... I don't like the way that he's treating Gio, and if he doesn't start treating Gio a little bit better at the World Cup, I'm going to release this information about his past. Well, some of the initial reporting wasn't 100% spot on. Here is the story according to ESPN. It was Danielle Rania, Claudia Rania's wife, who actually contacted U.S. Soccer Sporting Director Ernie Stewart to say that there was a domestic violence issue in Greg Berhalter's Past. Why is this so interesting is because Danielle Rania is best friends and has been since they were kids with Rosalind Burhalter, Greg Burhalter's wife, who apparently who, uh, wife who, when they were dating, is apparently when the domestic violence attempt happened. Greg Burhalter then responds to this information as it hits, saying this is what happened. He talks about a small altercation at a bar when they were first dating where he kicked Rosalind Burhalter. Where he kicked Rosalind at the time, not Burhalter, his just girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It then comes out from Danielle Reyna that he's underselling how extreme that domestic violence incident was. And now we are at where we are, which is Greg Burhalter, whose contract did expire on December 31st, will not be coaching the United States men's national team on a trial in California coming up next week. And now the entirety of his extension, which I think a lot of people thought was in the cards, is now completely up in the air. But overall, just an incredible story that developed across really about 16 hours yesterday. Well, that's interesting. I mean... To go to the extent of if this happened in 1991, mm-hmm. and, and no way am I, you know, dismissing incidents that happened in the past. Um, they're married now, the the, the coach and his yeah, wife. Yeah, married for a long time. And, they have a lot of kids. They, they have, have 25 kids. years. And I thought you were going to say 25 kids. No, I was going to say a lot. Whoa, <laughs> uh, not Nick Cannon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I think this is going to to levels or or depths of. 
you know, just really trying to nitpick at someone because you're feeling like you're not your child is not getting the things that you feel that they should get. And here's the thing. I am a coach. I have been a player. I uh, deal with parents on 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 a consistent basis. And and there are things that happen at practice that your son or your daughter or your your child do not tell you that are taking place. That's at the high school level. There is no way in the world that my mother would ever have gotten in, involved in any issue regarding my playing time in high school, nor in college, and definitely no way is my mother calling uh, the media to tell them a story about Mike Tomlin. Like, what are we doing, Mom? That, that would be my response because it, it, it feels it, it feels petty to me. Mm-hmm. It feels vindictive to me, and it feels like something that if I were this player and my mother were to do that, we would have, Mom, we need to have a conversation. Yeah. Because this is not the way we go about it. You may be frustrated. You aren't more frustrated than I am. I understand where you're coming from, but you can't be more frustrated than I am. And I'm the player, so we should have a conversation and make sure that we don't, you know, we don't, we don't resolve resolve to to, to going back 25 plus years over an incident that happened between two people that had nothing to do with us. Now and now, it's some clarification here because Claudia Rainey again. It wasn't him who apparently talked about this domestic violence issue. It was Danielle, right. but Claudia Rainey is not blameless. While she did this <laughs> after the World Cup, it has been confirmed that Claudia Rainey contacted and sent multiple messages to GM of the United States Men's National Team, Brian McBride, and. Sporting director Ernie Stewart complaining about Geo's playing time during the actual World Cup. So during the World Cup, the dad's complaining directly to the GM and the sporting director. And then after the World Cup, when Burhalter makes his comments, then the mother comes in. This is, by the way, Danielle Reyna's comments about Greg Burhalter and her response to why she, she came public with this. Without going into details, the statements from yesterday significantly minimize the abuse on the night in question. Rosalind Burhalter was my roommate, teammate, and best friend, and I support her through the trauma that followed. It took a long time for me to forgive and accept Greg afterwards, but I worked hard to give him grace and ultimately made both of them and their kids a huge part of my family's life. I would have wanted and expected him to give the same grace to Gio. This is why the current situation is so very hurtful and hard. I cannot believe she's actually equating telling somebody about a domestic violence incident with them not playing your son as much as you wanted to in the World Cup. It's a a helicopter parent and Lorenzo Romar was an assistant at UCLA before he went to Pepperdine and then wound up as the head coach at St. Louis U. And there was one point where under Jim Herrick, now UCLA gets a lot of players, but so does USA Soccer, where Romar and Jim Herrick decided they were there was a top five kid in L.A. that they were recruiting, but the parent at high school games was just a terror. Yeah. And they said, we don't want anything to do with this kid, especially with the parent in town. If I'm USA Soccer... And I've got this kind of crap going on from a player's mom. I got a plenty of players to choose from. I don't. I know the kid is great, but his mom, if I'm USA Soccer, just infringed on his ability to be a part of that team. Your game has to be bigger than your problems, and if your problems are outweighing all of the things that you can bring to the field, Antonio Brown could stick around a long time because he could play some football. Mm-hmm. We're going to deal with him until his problems become bigger than his game. 
that's how that that's the rules of 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 of, of sport. When you have guys that are, are capable of doing things on the field, on the court, you will tolerate something. We talked about Matt, Marvin Bad News Barnes yeah, with, with Bob yeah, Costas. Right. Some things were tolerated because he could really shoot the ball and hoop. Um, but if you have to deal with a parent, and, and I tell parents this as well as, as a high school coach, if you are belligerent in, in, the, in the stands while you're a child, there are people watching. They know you are attached and tied to that's your child. And so do I want to deal with that for the, the, the next three to four years or the next five to six years, however long you're going to be at, at my school, I may not want to deal with that. And if you're USA Soccer, you may feel the same way. And by the way, the reason that Burhalter was down on the kid is because he's immature. Which, we, I, I mean, clearly. There was a good reason for Burhalter to act the way he did in not providing Reina the playing time that his mom thought he deserved. Here's, here's my thing. His mommy. <laughs> here's my thing. As a coach... Randy, I want every player that can play to play. Mm-hmm. I want all of because here, if I tell parents this, if I could get every one of you all's kids to go to uh, 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 Alabama, what would that what would that mean for me? <laughs> if I don't, even if I'm right, the most right. selfish person in the world, I still love me. So if I want your kid to go to Alabama and I could get him there, he's gonna play. But if he can't. He ain't, and here's that. That's the bottom line. It's no hard feelings. It, there are there are guys that can do it, and there are guys that cannot. And if you're not mature enough, if you are a player that is calling home, mom, they're not letting me play, and I, th- what are we doing? But I, I I take it back to you know the, the participation trophy is part of this issue. Mm-hmm. The, the the ideology that everyone gets to play and everyone gets in. Yeah, in in grade school, maybe middle school, high school. Hell no. You're not going to play if you're not good enough. And that's the bottom line. You have guys that are better than you. And if you want to play, you have to become better. And if you want to play in this situation, you have to be a pro and be more mature. And clearly, this is not going to uh, going to take place. I, I had one thought, though. They, they seem to be a close-knit family, both mm-hmm. close-knit families. What does Christmas look like? It's not what does holidays look yeah. like? Are, are, they, are they still Just, meeting and 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 having having dinner dates? Yeah, probably not best friends anymore. Yeah, Rosalind not, and Danielle have been have played all four years together at USC and played together in uh, or UNC and play and knew each other in high school. Claudio and Greg also played youth soccer, high school soccer, and United States men's national team soccer together. These are two very close families, and and Claudio. Was effusive when Greg got hired. This is the man mm-hmm. for the. This is the man for the job. Until he until his son didn't until play. Gio so, Reyna didn't play. It, that blew up in a hurry. That's, didn't a, it? that's a conversation. Hey, your son is immature. I love him like and, he's my own. But if it was my own son, we would be in the same situation. And the frustrating part here is that Gio has the talent. Like there, I understand why Claud- Claudio is like. Listen, he should be playing, but. It almost makes it more depressing that, listen, he was going to eventually become a star for the United States men's national team. You didn't have to ruin a bunch of personal relationships. If, it was going to happen. This wasn't a scrub who you, who, who you were trying to get 100% on name onto the roster. This is a kid who's going to be a star. They just couldn't wait. If Gio plays, do, do they beat Wales? I think there's a chance. chance. It's, there's a chance Scores they get goal? a second goal. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, a chance yeah, they yeah, get they a second goal. Yeah. Yeah. A goal. Any, yeah. A goal. Yeah. A goal. He was capable he, of it. He's talented. He's that good. Yeah. Well, I, then that tells you that he's not prepared. Exactly. And that's, and that, if, and that's if, all that Greg Bolter said. Was it, we had a player who was slouching off in practice and wasn't giving the effort, and we almost had to kick him out because of it. I don't know how that's – I mean, listen, it's not good for your son, but it's not pejorative or a lie or nasty or a low blow. It's the, the it, truth. You have to tell mm-hmm. kids the truth, and as I told you earlier, Randy, 
Randy, some kids don't want to hear the truth. No. They they have a perception in their mind. You have to tell players the truth, not just kids. You have to tell players the truth. And and the one thing that I have appreciated throughout my career is coaches telling me the truth, even if I didn't want to hear it. It was the truth in their mind. Now, it was up to me to do what I needed to do to prove them wrong or to prove them right, whatever their, whatever their truth was. And so in this situation, he is he has some maturing to do. Sounds like his family has some maturing to yeah, do as well. And, and it, 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 you know, the apple don't fall far from the tree. It, it's one of those analogies. Seems like he got it honest from from his family, from his mom's, from mommy, yeah. who, 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 you know, takes things into, his, into her own hands and uh, makes decisions on her son's career. Yep. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch. We're going to tell you about the XFL, the uh, Battlehawks schedule, before we get to a little bit of a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The XFL schedule is out, and the second iteration of the St. Louis Battlehawks will start their existence Sunday, February 19th against San Antonio at San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. That's a 2 o'clock game, St. Louis time. And then the Battlehawks will play their home opener after playing uh, March 5th against the D.C. Defenders in D.C. They'll come home and they'll play the Arlington Renegades for their home opener, a 3 o'clock game on Sunday, March 12th. So uh, if you want to go check out the Battlehawks schedule, it's available online at uh, XFL.com. And uh, here we go. I brought in my my Battlehawks towel yesterday. I think it was the last game that they they had before everything, before the world shut down. Um, It's going to be an exciting time for this for this league to start back up to see what the Battlehawks what this version of them looks like and if they have if they're able to have the same amount of success that they did before. Yeah, and I would think that with the coaching staff that they have this is going to be a coaching league, right? It's going yeah, to be primarily yeah. about coaching. I, I would think that they have a, a really good chance to be very competitive and I'm excited about the home games. I, I'm interested to see if St. Louis will support these Battlehawks as well that's, as they did the last one. That's four. exactly what I was going to say. And and their their first home game is how many games into the season? Is that two Third or three? Game. Third, Third game. Third game of the season. Okay, so hopefully at that point they're 2-0. and oh, And then St. Louis, you get your butts out of your seats, out of your homes, drive down to the Dome, show up, show out, and make sure that that team feels the love that, that we know, that I know, you all can give them and, and show to them. By the way, I was wrong. They open against San Antonio on February 19th. Then the following weekend, they're at Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then the third weekend, they're at D.C. So it's all the fourth weekend of the season so before they have a home game. Give three weeks of, of fans to be clamoring and, and just waiting for those Battlehawks to show up down in St. Louis. And by the way, the XFL championship game that St. Louis will play in is May 13th. Let's do it. Where yeah. is that at? Uh, I don't think they've have have determined have that yet. No, it doesn't have a location Put it in St. Louis. Why not? Why not? Why not? Let, let it be the home team. Yeah, we got Let's a dome. It, it's easy. I like that idea a lot. <laughs> Great job today by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, CD? My man. He's got, he's got my man. So and uh, and Gio Reyna, hope mommy makes you a nice lunch of oh, tomato soup and a grilled cheese sandwich. Don't forget the carrots. Got to have the carrots. Yes, and yep. and do you and go the, with the, the juice pouch? Juice or, pouch all the way. The Capri Sun or like the box juice? Oh, he's got to go with the box. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's safer. You stick yeah, to for it. him. Yeah, yeah be safe. Got to be careful with yeah, the youngster. Got to be careful. Yep. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. 
You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.